What is up? Hello, everybody. Welcome to We Talk About Dead People. Get ready for a very special episode. Um, this is this was actually recorded all the way back in March, and we've just been waiting to release it for various reasons. But also, it's it's um, it's probably it's probably gotten less controversial as the year has gone on. But when we first recorded it, it felt kind of like maybe this is too far. Maybe we should you know not be so bombastic about these topics and so we just kept kicking the can down the road but eventually it got to a place where I was like hey it's time to go let's let's we need to put this out it's very different from uh our other interviews it's not done over zoom it's done in person which is how we talk about dead people was originally recorded was in person with one mic so the sound quality isn't as high um it's more of an atmospheric show so you're going to feel like you're sitting in the room with with me and and my guest. Uh, I kind of wanted it to be that way because that's how Taraj does his show, is he sits in a room or on the phone with a guest, usually usually live, usually live on his show, um, Anonymous Conversations. And it has this really organic, earthy feel to it um, that I hope translates into this one. So if you have an issue with anything that you hear, whether it's the sound quality or stuff we're talking about and you're, you know, it's kind of bothering you, just turn it off, you know, like you're not, we're not making you sit here, listen to this. Um, I think it's enjoyable all the way through, but you know, Taraj is a very, he's a very interesting character and he's probably not for everybody, but the reason I decided to have him on is because he is, there's very few people like him who have had the kinds of experience that he has had, uh, basically all over the world. Um, Taraj writes essays on Substack. Uh, he also releases videos on political stuff and current events. Um, my favorite thing he does is his anonymous conversations, though, and that's that's on uh, that's also on his Substack. I think you might have to subscribe to listen to them, but if, even if it costs you a couple bucks, do it. They're fascinating. He talks to people who are so cagey, but have so much to say, and the reason uh, they feel safe is because he keeps everything totally anonymous. Um, so I'd encourage you to follow him on Rumble. Uh, especially if you're interested in the Gaza conflict right now, you should check out his Rumble page. There, I, I would say that it's it's pretty straightforward commentary, but it's also, again, this very, very unique perspective. So that's uh, rumble.com slash Taraj, or you can just search it by typing his name, Taraj, T-U-R-A-J. Um, there's not that many people out there going by this name who are producing content. He's revealing some interesting insights on the Gaza conflict and his secrets of the Gaza conflict uh, series. Honestly, you know, he sends these things to me to, to listen to him, you know, make sure they're not going to be too offensive and that sort of thing, you know, and I do. And I have to say, it's like, it's an insight about the Middle East um, and the human rights situation over there. It's a perspective that's, how do I put this? You're not really going to get it anywhere else. I just want to note that you don't have to have a Rumble account to watch Rumble videos, but you do, do do need one to comment, and comments really sort of drive things. So if you like what you see over there, you know, create an account. They're free. Leave a comment. Let Trash know you appreciate everything, you know, because that's how, that's how we work, you know? Uh, so he has asked me to warn you specifically that episode one of The Secrets of Gaza Conflict has some gore and disturbing images in it. So maybe just listen to that one if you don't have the stomach for images of war. That's what I did. I listened to it. Uh, or he says, skip to the second episode, which was just released. 
the channel I, is called Magination. Sounds like imagination, but it's just magi. Imagination. He says it's his sneaky way of signaling to those, to one of those secret societies he thinks we should all be starting. <laughs> Understood. I'll include the links in the description. The conversation, I'm telling you, it's fascinating. It's a little out of date, but it's it's a it's a wild one. Um, we were all over the place. You know, we were having a, a fantastic time just sort of hanging out. And then we just like, we had planned to record something. So we ended up recording a couple of things. And this was just one of them. But anyway, enough. I've I've done my I've said my piece. I hope you're all enjoying the new Clown Town Chronicle. Um, we're on episode. We're going to be recording episode six of that pretty soon. But yeah, so far so good. We're getting a lot of good reviews. People are really enjoying it, and I'm happy to being back to doing a weekly podcast again. That's fun. <laughs> Feels good to release stuff on the regular. But anyway, hope you enjoy the conversation. We got another interview coming up not long from now. Um. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Enjoy. This is special, everybody. This is a very special episode of We Talk About Dead People. The number one thing that's special about it, though, and I'm not saying it because it's the most important thing. I'm saying it because, to me, it means a lot. We are recording on the original We Talk About Dead People microphone. In the same, <laughs> in the same way that we used to, where we just used the, the figure eight style mm -hmm. sound shape. The and bipolar we, setting. Yes, and we sat across from each other and we did it. But instead of James, I have a very special guest. In fact, it's our first guest who has flown in from abroad to appear on the show live. Which I'm not going to say is going to be a thing in the future because I don't like to promise things because usually I just step on my own toes when I do that. But it's kind of cool. This is, uh, this is a very special interview. He's uh, opening a package of chocolate right now. Um, he hasn't had much sleep. Right? He hasn't had much sleep. None at all, in fact. He was up all night just staring out the window thinking about the darker things in life. But this is going to be a different one because typically on our show we talk about history, and we are going to talk about some history, but it also has come to my attention, and I'm sure it's come to yours at least in some capacity, that things are weird out there. And there's a lot more going on than meets the eye, especially in the news media and especially in the creation of modern history. Which is why my compatriot here and I decided to actually have this conversation. We are from two totally different backgrounds. Uh, well, not totally different. Both, both raised mostly in America. Uh, but with two different perspectives on things like politics and social engineering and the media. But we tend, we found ourselves dovetailing together near the end of COVID and striking up some conversations that were, well, shall we say, podcast worthy. So, uh, without further ado, everybody, Taraj Zaim. Hi, everyone. I did spend half my childhood here in America. I had my fundamental learning years in Tehran, capital city of Iran. I escaped with my American mother. I came in as a refugee, but got natural American citizenship because one of my parents was American. My father is a well-known dissident in Iran. He's probably in prison right now. I haven't spoken to him, but no one's really talking to anyone much right now in Iran, and uh, I'm supposed to introduce my background. You don't want to do too much to that, right? All right, all right. Well, let's not go crazy here. All right, here's, all right. here's what I'm thinking. Okay, so we set this up to be a very, very like, I want this to sound as normal as possible because for the last two days, Taraj and I have been 
talking so much, we've both gotten hoarser mm-hmm. than we were when we started. It was enough content for 10 different podcasts, and trying to figure out what's going to be the most important to you as our listener, and we talk about dead people, it's going to be next to impossible, which is why I want to frame this as an absolute balls-to-the-wall psychotic journey, or maybe more psychedelic journey, into topics that are popular today, controversial today, and very much not what we usually talk about on the show, because let's face it, it's time to get some of this shit out. Mm. Would you say so? I would say so, and I see a lot of podcasts doing this. Yes. And uh, you have already deviated from your normal programming. I was listening to you years ago, very much enjoying stuff about Benjamin Franklin. That was yes. one of my favorite people in the universe, so thank you for doing that. Um, and he is. He's a he's a patriotic whore for America. I yeah. <laughs> but um, I noticed that recently many podcasts have been deviating from their regularly scheduled programming to discuss topics of the day, and as you said, people dovetailing from different political spheres and from different backgrounds. I understand you are Christian and conservative, mm-hmm. and and, um, and that is because there's this grand unification, such as I experienced going to high school at West High in Salt Lake City, uh, between disparate groups when there is a common greater force outside of which everyone must exist and with which everyone must contend. That's why I think you see so many people coming together and people like me listening to Megyn Kelly, of all people, whom I couldn't stand, you know, back when she was on Fox. I I really couldn't stand her, and now she's one of my top five podcasts. Right, and that's the thing, is like, I've been listening to, for years, people I would have thought were crazy, and I've been having conversations with them on this show because I, I went into it, and I'm like, say what you want about Crow, say what you want about Howdy, and all these, like, really, really, you know, cerebral types. I never got the sense that they were messing with my brain. And the common factor that I find, especially in mainstream media and mainstream podcasting, is they've always got, like, some kind of an agenda that has mm. nothing to do with arriving at... It's propaganda. Exactly. Yeah. It's propaganda as opposed to truth-seeking and conversation that leads to greater understanding for all parties involved, even those people who are just listening as a, you know, on a podcast or something like that. But Taraj and I sort of align on almost, really, and to be perfectly honest, we do align on several things. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say, mm-hmm. I'm, the, I'm the right wing, he's the left wing. We don't do that stuff. We try to keep, I don't want to speak for you. Well, should we discuss our differences for the audience? I mean, we, we land on a couple of fundamental differences. Sure. Why don't you, let's just start with like, I mean, we, we mentioned that I was raised Christian conservative, and you were raised? I was raised secular in a country that became Muslim to the point everyone pretended and currently many still pretend to be Muslim. Mm-hmm. That has changed. The mosques are down to 10% attendance last time I checked a few years ago, but it was uh, it was all Islam all the time after the revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived through that as a very small child and then through some of the Iran-Iraq war. So there was Islam all around me and I thought that was the norm. But my grandfather never taught me how to pray. He didn't think it was necessary. When I came to the States, um, I was eventually baptized Mm. And taken, I did Christian church for a while and um, did Boy Scouts at a Christian church, which, which I'm very grateful for. I went to a Christian camp because single mom living in a basement in Chicago, she's got to do something with the damn kids for mm-hmm. the summer. What do they do? They send them to Moody Bible Camp or Camp Myoka or something. So I'm familiar much more with Christianity and the Christian religion and Christian culture than any of the others. But I am also familiar with Islam and Judaism. I was raised Sufi 
uh, from 19 to 22 because my mom saw how spiritual I was and how much trouble I was having in college with science because it wouldn't answer fundamental questions. I was studying neuro. I was on the honors neuroscience track and I was like, where is the memory? Where does it go? How it is encoded? We don't know. Mm -hmm. Where is consciousness? Was Plato right? Is the seat back here? Um, we don't know. Maybe the machine becomes complex enough to stare at itself. I didn't buy that. Mm -hmm. I don't think you can put a bunch of mirrors up facing each other, a lot of intersections, make the brain so complex that suddenly a new element, quantum, materializes in there. But uh, it is uncool anymore to say you're spiritual and not religious, mm -hmm. like it used to be when I was <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, well, back then. That's, that's just another that, thing that's, that's what I am. I mean, that's another thing that's changing, and I appreciate you bringing in, you know, that you were raised in Chicago, because I wasn't in, like, heavily urban environments until I chose to go there when I went to Austin or New York. And I was only there for, like, Austin was, like, about two years, and New York was for a summer. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't intentionally go to a city. In fact, I like the small town vibe. As you can see, I live out out here. Right, right, right. <laughs> You've seen where our yeah. Chinese restaurant doesn't even have any booths to sit in to eat. It's all yeah. takeout, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah. you know, I appreciate you, like, right out of the gate, addressing that you and I are both interested in larger questions, right? Mm -hmm. We both have problems with mainstream media. We, well, both... we, skip, we skipped over some basic political differences. Oh, sure, go ahead. But I don't know if you want to bring them up. They're, they're hot, they're hot button issues that we, we disagree on. I'll just say that. Let's move on. Sure, sure. <laughs> okay, well, everybody, you know exactly what he was referring to. It's all the stuff that everybody finds uh, interesting that I guess I haven't resolved in my own head 100%, but I have sat on the fence. Many they are times. unresolvable, irreconcilable issues. You cannot draw the line on these things, and we will forever conflict on them, is my belief. And that is why it's so good we're sitting here talking, because mm -hmm. it shows that you can connect on the larger ideas, even if you disagree on some of the smaller ideas, but in your opinion, does it show anything else that we can sit here and do this? The sky is falling. There is no time to talk about other shit. You're right. <laughs> yes. And that's exactly how I feel about it. Um, so, since we've gotten a little bit of background on who you are, I, I should say why... I think they got confused. They got it was Iran and then Chicago for eight and a half years. That was where I've lived the longest in my life. I move around a lot. I think that's the most important thing to say about me, so I'll just say that. I move around a lot. I moved 11 times during the Revolution and War. By the time I was six years old, I'd moved 11 times my family had. Once my father disappeared, there was, you know, we escaped over the mountains. I feel most at home not living in one place a long time. So I've lived all over the United States. I think one of the advantages I have, uh, along with my addiction to English and conversation when speaking with people, is that I've been so many places and actually spoken to so many people IRL. Mm -hmm. That is why I think I've gotten so much attention for certain efforts I've made, like just this one episode mm -hmm. on this podcast that I did, Anonymous Conversations. I think it's because I can talk to so many different kinds of people um, that I have that advantage. I have that attention from that episode because I wouldn't get these people secured otherwise. Sorry, I'm not, I'm not trying to pump my own podcast. I'm no, please saying. do. The whole principle of anonymous conversations is that you don't have to say your name. You don't have to say your face which is something I knew was learned from college at Oberlin. Yes, I went to Oberlin. Yes, I had a liberal upbringing <laughs> and a liberal secular mom who was an open misandrist, by the way, um, that speaking in a uh, study lounge all night when there were no cell phones even, well, there were, but we didn't have them in, in no, but it, people didn't have them on them all the time yet. Mm -hmm. um, you could say anything. 
that candor, that privacy, that sacred space for conversation has de disappeared. I, th I think it's gone, you know, at least for Gen Z, like they, they don't, they don't relate as much IRL as they do online. They mm -hmm. text and share their breakfast rather than talking over breakfast, right? right, right. That's much more common. And what I didn't realize was how attractive that would be to people who would otherwise never, ever speak. They so very badly want to say their story, and there's so much suppression, so much censorship. Mm -hmm. Cancel culture doesn't exist, right? It we'll, we'll get right, to that, yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, that that I think people will open up, Not I'm not talking about my podcast, I mean in general, if we as human beings sit down without cell phones around and speak to each other like we used to, much of this would resolve instantly. Yeah, and that's one reason why we're doing this, is because we both know that's important. It's important to show that you can do this. Uh, with a nice cup of tea and a couple of chocolates, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and my uh, my laptop American iron flask drinking vessel. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is what it's all about here. And I love that you call yourself a laptop American. I got it from you. It's, it's from I you. said laptop class, which I got oh, from laptop a class. magazine article. Okay, well, I, I like laptop American. It, it, it <laughs> describes it rather well. Um, but I think the first thing I want to get into, because we do connect on this very well, is we both have a similar opinion of the modern mainstream media, specifically how they do narrative construction. And I think this is the first part where you're going to go off and we're all going to love it. <laughs> is that too much pressure? I'm not a show pony. We it, know. It's, it's genuine irate switch that, you know, can't be faked. What, what do you want me to say about the nonsense, man? It's, it's a sea of lies, overpaid people of certain psychologies who I believe are selected, Joy Reeds, Rachel Maddows, who don't mind being the good-looking suit and voice for nonsense, complete, complete pablum or intentional misdirection by our misleaders. And what I cannot understand about it is why people in my family, half my friends, so much of America still listen to these things. I've I was holding out hope for NPR, CBS, you know, I was striking them off one by one. ABC, absolutely untrustworthy. NBC, obviously MSNBC, they're just race baiting weird. I, I swear they're just messing with us psychologically. Um, C like CNN is nothing but lies. Like I, I maybe got a solid body count mm -hmm. off the Turkey earthquake. I, I yeah. think that's the only thing I've had that I could verify from them in the past three years. Um, and they lie by omission, and they uh, vilify uh, with false accusations, and they never retract. These are not news organizations. And here's, here's my basic proof to anyone listening. A journalistic organization will retract what, a statement they've made that was false, inappropriate, unevidenced. They do not. That's it. And when they go in and uh, correct things, it's really elision. They lied, meaning they just subtract away from the text uh, and here I'm talking about New York Times has done this and the Washington Post has done this. Mm -hmm. These are facts. You can look them up. They take out the text that was nonsense and in my opinion intentional propaganda to begin with whether by zealot actors as individuals inside that thoroughly infested newspaper whichever we're talking about or by intentional design from the top down as some part of some greater program 
I, ha I don't have proof yet mm -hmm. whether, but the elision is not mentioned right. and not admitted. So I think that's part of the reason why, and I'm still putting together all the reasons, people still trust these media organizations is because they haven't come out in the last two years and said, by the way, almost everything we've said to you about almost everything has been a lie. Yeah. Like the Russia nonsense mm -hmm. with Trump, the, all the many, many lies with COVID coming out of the pharmaceutical companies and Fauci. All of them were either direct lies or misinformation passed on by purported journalists. But if they were journalists, what they would do is vet the information. They would look into it themselves. They would get a second source. They would get a solid source. They never did that. And that's obvious because I looked into it as a citizen, not even knowing where to look, and found that from our own government institutions or sometimes from the scientific studies they were referencing were contradictions to what they were reporting. Right. Yeah. We both watched this happen. Yeah. That's one of the ways we reconnected was <coughs> we both had a problem with this narrative construction around COVID. Uh, thank you, Spotify, for our new COVID tag on this episode. But, hey, it's a badge of honor at this point. Yeah, we actually met at a cafe. Um, <laughs> I know. I, I, we met in Austin. And, and many years later, I don't remember. I think you just texted me. I reached out to you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Cause oh, cause that's right. I didn't know what the number was. Right. It said indie podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, he could teach me something. And you sent me this mic. And thank you very much for that. Well, yeah. Well, and we'll get to we'll get to why I decided to send uh, this mic off and why I felt like it was. Uh, I don't know if it's picking me up real well. Let me check this. Yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, everybody. Apologize. I'm not even going to cut that out. It's just funny. Yeah, the mic is. F-U-C-T, man. It's, oh, yeah. it's been through it. So I sent him this special mic that I used to record the first several episodes of my show. It's just, it's the old girl's still going. Yeah, it's a tough, tough one. Yeah. Um, so let's, to get back to the, our distaste for the mainstream media, there was, the, one of the first things you sent me when we reconnected was one of your extended essays. And it was about everything. And right now we're not that far from Kenosha. And, Part of that story is kind of freaky in a way because I was in Kenosha the night the Rittenhouse thing happened. Didn't want to comment on it because, you know what, honestly, I just didn't know what to say. Because mm. uh, there was so much nonsense going on around it. I was telling, I was telling Taraj before we started that um, Trump made me late for work and so he lost my vote. <laughs> just kidding. With the, mo with the motorcade. <laughs> with the motorcade uh. when he came to visit. I'm just kidding about all of that. Mm. Um, but... Except for the part about being late for work. I had to call my boss and explain, uh, sir, the president has made me late to work. And he was like, just get here when you can get here. But um, your extended essays, uh, nobody really writes like that anymore. Yeah, and I understand the very few people read it, mm -hmm. you know. So I'm not, I'm not getting subscriptions from the extended. I am from, you know, brainy types who want to read. They're rare. They're like less than 1%. I'm getting subscriptions for, you know, the that the first of the podcast and all of a sudden I got all these su subscriptions. As soon as I did audio and started doing the videos, I, I got subscriptions. I don't know why I must write that way. I was trained mm -hmm. in classical liberal way when liberal arts colleges were still teaching liberal arts. So um, creativity and context of certain arts that are established. But of course at Oberlin with the conservatory, there was 
all kinds of creative writing courses. I just ended up not taking them. But what's mandatory at liberal arts colleges and what I think should be mandatory now American public education at the high school level is critical thinking, reasoning, logic, debate, mm-hmm. these basic conversational skills that are completely gone. Yeah. And that's why I, I want to make this clear every time I get a chance. What we call liberals today are not liberals. They are illiberal and it, just look up for yourself what liberal values are, and you can see instantly they are not protecting free speech. Mm-hmm. They think people should be censored. They do not debate. They talk over you, pretend that you don't listen to the right experts, and they do. And th- I think they largely believe that. If you scratch the surface of one of their statements or ask one question about one of their beliefs, they frazzle out and start hiccuping and spazzing out um, I'm sorry, is spazzing a bad word right no. now? But they, but they do start hiccuping and spasming. Yeah. Um, and you can test these people who say they're liberals by asking them what, what's a liberal value, and they won't know. So when Rittenhouse, the reason I think Rittenhouse is the most important case ever to happen in American history, I don't have the legal history to back that up, I'm sure the Dred Scott decision, all that was very important, but the reason I think, at the very least in my lifetime, it's the most important case is because it tested liberal values. And what I saw was everybody who calls themselves liberals, like a vicious salivating mob, descend on this innocent boy who in every video I watched was very obviously innocent, was out there trying to help, trying to defend property where cops could not, um, and trying to, put out fires, he was putting out fires, he's being a boy scout out there. Yeah. You don't like him because he's too young to carry around an AR-15. That's a solid argument. Yeah. Maybe 17-year-olds shouldn't be put. But why the fuck do 17-year-olds have to go out and be out there at night? Because the cops can't handle this mob of anarchists that the media will not report are anarchists mm-hmm. using this opportunistically, not caring at all what Jacob Blake did, not caring at all why he was shot, not caring at all if the cops who shot him were white or black or if they were on the wrong or right. They don't care. They are using this as part of their revolutionary movement because they find manhood and purpose and a way of being white in a way you can be proud (laughs) by joining Antifa. And they go smash cars. And there are a few black people there smashing cars too. So it all feels like, you know, they're on the right side of history. And all just spoiled idiots and, and trained liars and that, that's what I keep discovering, and that's what I keep finding, and all the evidence of it is there, and they wouldn't even look at the evidence. My friends just kept chiming in on how he did illegal things he didn't do, and how he's white supremacist when he absolutely was not, and all these terrible things that no liberal would ever do. Where's the evidence? Where's the chance to defend yourself? Where's the chance to even, even understand what you did wrong? This boy sat in jail not even knowing why he was there for a very long time. Um, you, you, you categorized him? You stereotyped him. You applied all these vicious labels from uh, bad faith actors onto him. And you, you're, what you're doing, the worst part of it, the, the scary part of it, and to me makes it a historical case, is you were advocating for mob justice on every angle. And so was the media. Yeah. <laughs> They were very obviously pushing in one direction with all their voices and their reporters, including the NBC mercenary reporter that was sent to illegally follow the jury bus home right before they announced the verdict to start a mistrial or I don't know, 
maybe activate some night actors to go out to some of those homes and ruin the whole thing because they knew they were going to lose and God forbid a young boy was allowed to defend himself against violent, death-threatening, assaulting, anarchist criminals. Yeah, at the peak of one of the greatest like up, upheaving events that we've seen, I've seen in my lifetime. I've never seen as much chaos that, than what was created around the COVID story. And what I appreciated about your extended essay on this topic, but I mean, it was a lot of topics, but this one really, you just got right down to it. You're like, y'all are goldfish and here's everything that happened. None of you remember these things that happened and all of you are gonna forget when the next thing comes along. And it's mm -hmm. important to document this because when we get to a place where say somebody needs to remember something, we need to have it there for people to go through. Like I was reading that article, I was like, I forgot, like I heard this stuff, yeah. but it just went in one ear and out the other. And as this giant meta narrative, not meta narrative, what's the what's a better word? Uh, grand narrative. Grand narrative, yeah. Grand narrative was being created around all these little details by just leaving things out and just you know, making this conveniently more important, you know? Like, mm -hmm. I, can't, I can't even, like, I don't even know. Because it, because it was so variated. Yeah. There were so many nuances in the propaganda. Why, why do I call it propaganda? Because Kyle Rittenhouse became about the Second Amendment. Mm -hmm. He became about the AR-15. He became about white males. Mm -hmm. He became about everything other than what the case was about. It was a murder trial assessing whether he was acting with lethal force in self-defense proportionate to the threats he was presented with. That's all it was really about. And people made it about all this other stuff to the point where I, I was yelling at my family members. You, I would be in the same situation doing the same thing, probably with the same gun. I've never owned a gun. Mm. I keep thinking I should get a damn gun. <laughs> I hear a lot of liberals <laughs> saying this. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, but I was just like, he was doing what's right. And, he was, and then he was defending his life. And you want him, you want him dead. You want him in hell. Yeah. You would put him in hell for a triple murder when he was the victim, because it makes you feel good about being on the right side of the white supremacy that's everywhere all the time. Allegedly, yeah. And that's that's the thing that like gets me about that one in particular, because you really can pull it down to, it was self-defense. And you could argue that, oh, it was overdone. Well, sure, but when you bring in like racism and all of this stuff, like white supremacy, you start calling in these things, this is no longer this is no longer about following the law. This is no longer about what's legal. It's no longer about the Constitution. Now this is about propaganda and who's got the more interesting story. Durr, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then we, we all get, come at each other like a bunch of losers and we're like, I, I got my narrative over here and my podcaster over here said this. But you never look at it like from the perspective of what the hell was happening there? Yeah, and they won't watch the video. My but, friends wouldn't and watch, they won't the watch the video. I, I would keep sending them shorter and shorter parts of it. Like, can you just look? They wouldn't, even, not a single one of them would open the damn link and watch a video. So I don't think they're gonna read my essay. I think they have now because I've stopped talking to them. What I've noticed about um, less courageous and less honest people, because I don't think my friends that I've left behind me are dishonest people. I know their hearts. I know they're good-hearted people, is that they will respond to you as will so many partners in your current bad relationship or friendship, whatever you had, once you stop saying what's wrong and just cut them off. As cold as that sounds, I have discovered over and over again in my life, I'm old enough to know I, I will waste a lot of time waiting for people to get on the bus or 
or go with me somewhere or meet me where I want to be met or follow through on something or drop some problematic behavior. I will waste a lot of time with the addicted, with the addicted to bad relationships, with friends who disappoint and self-sabotage or, or hurt me, betray me um, in many subtle ways. I will waste years. And what the only thing I've ever seen will change them because as I'm telling them what's wrong and staying their friend or staying their boyfriend, then I'm actually showing that I will stay with them regardless of what they do is ditching them. Yeah. Well, and, if I, and we both had people ditch us, you know? Yeah. That, yes, that that's, too. That's the other part of it. It's like we say one thing wrong and they're just out. They're gone. Okay. And, and, and it's not even something that's wrong. It's something that will be fine in two weeks. Six months is or my average. Six months, yeah. yeah. When, when it finally hits the mainstream and you're, they're like, they, they will never come back and say you were right. Which shows their lack of character. And that's why I'm glad to have them out of my life. And it hurts me even when I said it, but go ahead. Yeah, I know. You, I know it's, it's not fun for either one of us, right? Like losing It's people. deeply fucking painful, man. Yeah, and it's, it's hard. But, uh, you know, this, okay, so I, I will just to lighten it up a tiny bit. All right. So the last couple of days you've been here, I've been so happy to be around somebody who's smarter than I am. Mm. <laughs> You're pretty bright. I know, but we're, we're both like kind of like on the spectrum, you know. Yeah. I don't like, why do people do I, I know this you don't, I know, I know, but like it's so. What does it matter? Can I ask you what it matters? It matters. As, as a dumb monkey species with a high IQ, what does it matter? Look around the world. Where, what countries are the most oppressive? Are they not the countries with the populations with higher than average IQs? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Russia, Iran, North Korea, China. So what, I, I've what never found in my, in my broke-ass life, I've never found that there's a correlation, a good correlation between the effect on the world someone has and IQ. Yeah. Money, sure. But I even think you get to a certain range in the IQ. Man, I know so many extremely intelligent, I, I don't know many, but I know enough that are having a very hard time economically. Mm -hmm. They do not fit well into society. You know, they're the Glenn Goulds out there. Yeah. So, I, 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 you know what I'm doing is I'm defending myself, trying to make myself seem more humble right now. Yeah, well, that's the thing is like, you listened to my last episode with the breakdown of IQ during the French Revolution. I don't sit here and say <laughs> high IQ is a good thing necessarily. I mean, especially like in the midwit range, it turns out that like people who would just enough IQ. They're fucking dangerous. They're dangerous. They sorry, get, I keep swearing. They're, sorry. they're really dangerous. They're, they're dangerous because they, they are the ones who can build what we were talking about last night, wor uh, word worlds, right? Mm. They build these little stories that they live in. Mm -hmm. uh, they have just enough imagination to imagine themselves as the protagonist of their life, which is fun. I mean, I get it. Like, we live from one set of eyes. We have to look out, so we're something like the protagonist, but at the same time, you're not a damn hero. And, and what's... Why, why denigrate that urge to do good in the world, though? Oh, I'm not saying that. What I'm, I guess what I'm saying more is it's more easy. I'm not saying this right. It feels... Take your time. I'm going to nuke some Chinese. Okay. Well, in that case, I'm going to go get my laptop. <laughs> Are we just going to leave the mic? We're just going to leave the mic. Just leave it going. We'll shout from here. Yeah. Uh, get some Chinese. Let's...
Yeah. I gotta put out my footage of Ukraine, man. You got footage of Ukraine? Idea. Yeah, dude. I went there in 2018. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, was I followed and had strange difficulties with my bank. I did not know I was going into a war zone. Really? Yeah. I originally was going to meet someone there that was decided to be a bad idea. Then I was like, hey, Ukrainian women. Mm-hmm. Quite impressive, mm-hmm. by the way. Um, I've heard. Yeah. And so I went there and I'm talking to like, you know, model slash doctors in their 20s and there's war going on huh. like in the subways it's projected on a uh, film up on the wall Go, come fight for your country young man did you no i didn't it's because going. you stacked one on the other i, thought, that I, why I thought i did but it's still going um <laughs> yeah and i didn't know it and they're like yeah they're shelling in donbass this one girl showed me shouldn't call her a girl young woman uh she moved and became a secretary in kiev from the donbass region and she was like here Show me shrapnel. This came through my bedroom ceiling. That's oh when my, my parents sent me to the city. So there's all these young people in the city um, dodging what, what was going on in the East because there's a damn war and they were recruiting for war. Why didn't I know before I went to Ukraine that a war was happening? Because my media didn't tell me. You know what my media did tell me? What's that? Because CNN was on that tourist oh, hotel boy. in Kiev. <laughs> the tourist hotel in Kiev. I turned on American News. It's CNN, of course. CNN had a... A young, like about my age, so I, not that young, but at the time, um, she's like somewhere in her late 30s, and she was the CNN global market analyst. And she was brought on to explain why it was a bad idea. Isn't it a bad idea? Leading question, CNN style. Mm-hmm. Isn't it a, it, shouldn't you have, <laughs> um, uh, that Trump put the steel tariffs on Canada? Oh. Because I just couldn't see Trump doing something that uh, articulated capriciously, I was like, really? Like he would think, you know what I want to do? I'm going to put a 25% steel tariff on can't, what? Okay, this is what it was. This is what it really was, because I looked it up. Each nation needs its own steel in case of war, okay? Mm -hmm. Every nation behaves this way. I looked it up, it's a fact, the Pentagon probably told them. Just like the Pentagon probably told them that the trans members of the military were taking an average of eight and a half months out of their productivity because of mood issues while the transitions are with But he would listen to his generals, right? Yeah. He would listen to his one star and two star. That's why I don't listen to the three and four star anymore because he was just listening to them. You know, he always wanted to be around real men. It's obvious when he's in front of police trying to make jokes right. and Boy Scouts trying yeah. to make jokes, right? So he's listening to his warriors and they're saying, yo, we need our steel to work or here. That's why he did the steel tariffs. This lady on CNN, a global market analyst, somehow doesn't know that that an element of the global market are nation's own security concerns. She somehow doesn't know, and she just says the same shit. She literally added nothing. I'm standing in Kiev, jumping up and down, yelling at the screen, right? Um, In a $20 apartment. Gosh, I wish you could go to Kiev now. Ah, dang it. It was great. It was great. It was good then. They put they put okra up in everything. It's dill. It's like there's salt. It's amazing. You can't have gas. Um, all right, I'm gonna go get my. Okay, the Chinese have been. I mean, the Chinese has been nuked. All right. We're gonna come back to this. Okay. Carry on. Taraj is getting his freshly prepared Chinese from the microwave. This wasn't fresh when I was at the restaurant. He is wearing. <laughs> Stylish <laughs> slippers and multiple layers. Okay, ascots. Ascots. Yeah. <laughs> I got a message to um, 
Okay, who's you know that right? Okay, first of all, he's wrong about a lot of shit, especially about America, and he has way too conservative views for me. But Carl Benjamin Carl. used to go to Sargon on the Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my friend used to listen to him all the time. He used to make fun of him for listening to him. Now he runs Lotus Eaters, which is like the fastest growing political commentary website in the UK. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think he, I think he has Ugg Ascot slippers because of me. Really? Yeah. How did that happen? <laughs> um, he thought slippers were feminine. Um, <laughs> I comment. I was thanking them for boosting one of my things. Um, and I said, "Here's all I have to pay for it. some advice with slippers for Christmas." <laughs> and Callum, you know, his his initial sidekick, who's like become more of the centerpiece of the so more of like the center of the team now. I think um, was making fun of him because he was saying like he would never wear slippers because they're feminine. <laughs> um, and he was like, "I'm gonna get you slippers for." Christmas, that's going to be your Christmas gift. You can see Carl cringing from it. But I know once he put these damn things on, you guys, Ugg Ascot slippers, they are worth the 150 bucks. I, it's what got me through COVID. Anyway, go ahead. We are not sponsored by Uggs. No, but I will take one. I'll take a sponsorship. Please uh, send your, your, your Ascot slippers to, to nowhere. We talk I don't about dead people.com. <laughs> <laughs> uh, contribute to our, our tip jar at WTADP and Venmo mm-hmm. uh, in order to buy. Ascot slippers for... If you get any $150, you must. I must? Yes. If somebody sends $150 to Raj's... He's holding a gun right now. No, I'm... I'm kidding. kidding. (laughs) Please send $150 to at WTADP for my cold feet. (laughs) So let's get back into it, because this is fun hanging out. Okay. Um, But I know, like, you've got... Wait, we were talking about IQ not long ago. And you were saying... Oh, man. We don't have to go back to it if you don't want to. We'll finish up. Okay. All I was going to say was... EQ is is more important for success, mm-hmm. and I'm finding it to be very, very freaking important. I'm finding I mean, that to be yeah. the same. And that's in, this is coming from a person who never stopped like taking IQ into account with things, mm-hmm. but then it became insufficient to explain the behavior I was seeing from high IQ people. Mm-hmm. Smarts and intelligence is not the measure of a person. It's not the only measure of a person. In fact, that's... Because smart is as smart does, the same way stupid is as stupid does. Well said. Yeah. It's the same thing. And smart people have a really, like, well, not even smart. They're not smart. They just have high IQ. Right? It's intelligent. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's an intelligent... I don't use smart. Dude. Also, how much is it about smart... And how much is it about heart? <laughs> for, for real, though. No, for real. I get, I get you. <coughs> because a smart person <coughs> can have really bad intentions and do a lot of damage, right? And will sit there and argue themselves mm-hmm. out of action. Right. Out of faith in other people's action. Out of doing anything at all. Out of any hope for their country. Mm-hmm. They'll sit there and argue themselves out of it so they can justify their inaction because mm-hmm. they're spoiled mm-hmm. and lazy, coddled Americans. And a person with heart will go out in Florence Nightingale shit, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden we know that, like, you know, having the window open helps people recover from disease. Yeah. Well, then that's the thing is, like, <coughs> the the very smart people I saw get black pilled during COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. The smartest people I know. Yeah. Yeah. hmm I mean, because it's very they're very good at constructing, you know, word worlds in their heads. And if they have a negative bent, if their heart isn't, you know, or their conscience isn't clear, or their heart is, you know, twisted in some way, they can create a word world that's dark. And their heart is troubled. By emotions they've never felt because they were born in this country. Pardon my prejudice, but I, I am expressing what 
every immigrant you know thinks. Mm -hmm. So um, let me just speak on behalf of all immigrants. Do well, we all agree? We all agree. Yeah. Well, the listeners, if we talk about dead people, are a rare breed. Okay. They enjoy they enjoy truthful things. Okay. They, so, like a, a fresh and healthy perspective on how Americans sort of look and how they behave, etc. We like that stuff because we're tired of bullshit. Frankly, how did we get here? How did we get here? We Where? got here with civil rights, whites and blacks, by the way, men and women. We got here with railroads. We got here with wars. We got here with struggles. We got here with the American with Disabilities Act. How do we get to this phenomenal near zenith of a society by people doing things mm -hmm. against the odds and without precedent? And Mr. 150 IQ over here is sitting in a cafe convincing people online, all hope is lost <laughs> yeah. and, and it's about that 250 year mark and somebody <laughs> once wrote a thing that noticed a trend that every 250 years a society yeah, yeah. Shut the... We were talking about that earlier. Like, that, that whole meme of, it, it can only last 250 years. It's right. an empire. It's all a cry for hope. Mm -hmm. Well, people, are, people need hope. They're desperate for hope, but... Well, they won't listen because they're too smart. Exactly. And they're too born American to, to realize they're being presented with a more difficult situation than they ever have been. Maybe we ever have been. Mm. That's what I'm convinced of. We, we are really at an existential crisis moment. Particularly because at least half the country still believes the news and doesn't think action is appropriate and doesn't care about America. Mm -hmm. And, and I, it sounds crazy to find myself in this position. I used to be such a strong critic of the United States. I mean, it's one of the reasons I think I didn't get signed or maybe I just didn't have enough talent. But I was rapping largely about the U.S. government. I was, you know, young during the Patriot Act and all that. Mm -hmm. And um, I was talking about everyone from John Ashcroft to that, um, was that that psychopath, the chemical dealer, Donald Rumsfeld. Yeah. I was, you know, my my shows were hype, dude. There was, you know, there was a live band. We were really good. That's why people danced and liked this. But no one's going to sign that because you're you're talking underground and you're speaking against America, and it just only has so much audience, and um, there can't be. There just isn't that much room for that, especially post 9-11. There wasn't much room for that. For sure, yeah. Well, what that reflects then is that if you speak against the government, you can be cool, right? It, but not in the mainstream. And what has changed in our culture is speaking against the United States in general is promoted in academia. It's promoted in the media. Mm -hmm. It's Even politicians do it. I've even heard politicians. Oh, yeah. We used to not even be able to get away with that. Forget about your next election if you say it's something like, what's that, what's that one guy say? And America is so great. It's, it's never been great. Yeah. Really? Yeah. The United States of America. The yeah. place everyone wants to go. The, the only country founded on ide ideas rather than born, mm -hmm. inherited, uh, tribal affiliation or religion. <clears throat> Conquest. Okay. Yeah. And we've never... <clears throat> Never been great. This, this leads me to my next question. Which is, only an American would say that. Really? Yeah. Our haters say we're great, dude. Mm. That's crazy. It's just crazy. How did this, I don't even need to ask that question. But because they're spoiled. Okay. And because y'all are spoiled. <laughs> y'all are spoiled, ignorant, and you think what, what? What does that do? What does that do for anyone at all? By the way, what are you doing when you're prancing around talking about 
with vagaries too. You don't even have legitimate specific complaints. Yeah. With vagaries. Oh, is this? It, it is and kind of was or maybe both white supremacy. I don't know. It's all like one slur of daddy bad. Yeah. <laughs> Slush thinking. Slush thinking. And I think that might be part of why black pillars can even be a thing is because they've never seen enough adversity to know that adversity can actually be beat. Be beat. Right. And they're presented with this emotion. And these, you know these smart guys, man. Mm-hmm. They've handled the whole world with their mind. Yeah. Right? They yeah. look down on everything. Like, I mean, some of my friends, they're... They're not dismissive of the religious or the spiritual. They're even open to the magical. They believe like occult groups mm-hmm. and secret society groups have done a lot of things, whether by real magic, mm-hmm. you know, they don't seem to care, but they acknowledge that, that there is something to the um, invisible realms mm-hmm. and to these groups' wisdoms and machinations and clevernesses. And they still when presented with this adversity that we're presented with, they see it clearly. I mean, they're outlining the problems, but they don't, I mean, look at the history. America comes up against these crises over and over again, and the solid bet would be to bet on this. Yeah. Because Americans are so resilient, because we're, in, in my understanding, rooted in our own individuality. That is the liberty here. That is the main liberty. You act from yourself. You have a society that posits that you will be better as a citizen and the nation overall therefore will be better if you have the freedom to develop yourself your own potential explore yourself put in your pink plastic nose ring that is just ridiculous on every level and everyone will say oh she's dressing like a whatever that's idiotic or whatever but americans will also say good for her that's fine she's being herself and they'll approve of it could would you this is just popped up in my head but it almost feels like America was started as like a broad homeschooling community where it was like, hey, you know, we're going to let you do your thing, but you have to read this much a day and we're good as long as you turn out decent. And then it slowly devolved into this like, yeah, you know, you don't have to educate yourself. You don't really need to know things. You, know? you don't so, have to read, black boy. History is boring, right? Mm-hmm. Right. You don't need to know your own history. You just need to know this meme that we taught you in your history class. You know, right? There was there were only a few people, key people involved in civil rights and that sort of thing. You don't need to think about those guys, other guys over there who had different ideas about how things should go. No, 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 no. We can't have you thinking critically. You just need this Disneyfied version of American history, and that's that's it. And oh, and did never- you notice how many Jews were part of the civil rights movement that aren't talked about? Yeah, I'm aware. Oh, of that. lawyers and activists. All right, I'm aware yeah. of that. They, it's. That's just that's even a whole other aspect that most people aren't even aware of because they haven't done even a lick of reading from something outside of the classroom. They won't even open the video link, bro. I know it's crazy, and you know I don't know if it's if it's fear or you know the, the other thing is like is it fear? It's not. I don't know. If it's, is it that they are scared they'll have to look at their whole structure? Is do deep down most Americans know possess enough intelligence and awareness to know that they are perhaps being lied to? Yeah, I think certainly. But the the depth and the breadth of it, which I admit is quite overwhelming, hard to to embrace Mm -hmm. mentally, I agree with that, is too much for them to even want to deal with. They'd rather go along because it's safer. They see everyone else getting along. Go along with the wokeness. Yeah. Go along with the kid pretending he's trans and causing all the problems at the workplace. You listen to that pod. You listen to the podcast. Yeah. That kid I interviewed fucking got fired. Yeah. He got fired, but... 
Let me let me advocate for that real quick, so you don't have to shield for your own stuff. No, uh, no, yes. <laughs> Taraj did. We're just I'm just gonna say it all, so you don't have to listen to it. All right, sorry. I was gonna say. I, it's fine. It's well, it's buzzing. I, I'm watching. I'm watching the, the levels. It's good. Okay. I appreciate right. your concern. I don't but know anything. The, I know the music studio. The first. Should I stop talking? No, you're good, man. Okay. This is your interview. I All right. I feel like I'm interrupting. No, no. The first episode of Anonymous Conversations is one of the most excellent things I've ever heard. It's just a true story that's difficult to wrap your brain around sometimes, but it's so interesting because the conversation is just genuine. You can tell that there's something here that's hard to say, but happened. And I think people are, are getting to a point where if they don't say stuff, they're just going to bust, right? Yeah, bust like Scott Adams. Right. I, I saw this coming. Yeah. I did a video about him before he this current thing he did. Yeah. You know? And the, the other video was him coming to grips with the fact that he'd been lied to. He's smart enough to know he was lied to. He didn't say that. But what he did say is, I got the wrong position. The right position, the winning position, he was winning and trying to be smart, of course. Yeah. Um, so it's very important to <laughs> Number him. Number one predictor during the pandemic. <laughs> Motherfucker. I, I was the number one predictor. <laughs> um, he, he said, you know, the right position would to be to have natural immunity, which doesn't exist, by the way. Are we, are we to the point where natural immunity exists now? I don't know oh. anymore. Well, that's oh, okay. the official story. I, I don't check MSNBC. Better get boosted, everyone. All right. Yeah. Better get, get your fifth booster. Um, and he, you know, he's looking at those stats and he's like, the more boosters you have, according to America and Europe, the more likely you are to develop serious COVID. And he's like, huh, somebody duped me. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't say that. No. You see, he confronted every, he was emotionally, the right thing. You win. You guys win. You won. You didn't get the vaccines. Like, you know, because yeah. we're, we're so concerned with being smart and right, like like he is, right? right? He's projecting that on us while he's going through his little emotional breakdown. And he doesn't say the part that I'm wondering why isn't said about the mainstream media. I was lied to mm -hmm. constantly about very important things in many ways by many people. Right. On several channels. And the Washington Post and the New York Times, fuck you guys. <laughs> yeah. But you can't say, you know, it's like Scott Adams doesn't feel like he can say that much as far Really? Because he just said get the total, fuck away from black that's people. That's totally wrong. I <laughs> said that wrong. He doesn't feel like he can, if he says he was lied to and he fell for it by multiple sources, that makes him look stupid. And that's the difference between a guy like him and a guy like you and, or guys like you and me is we're not interested in looking smart or being right. That was never that was never about what we were about, right? I mean, you've never been. Have you ever been like about? I want to be the rightest person ever. The rightest. Um, I want to be accurate. Yeah, I, you know what? Being being right, if it's no, not being right, but having the accurate information. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I I don't want to be something. See, this is my, this is the fucking problem. An activist an activist will tell you this all day. Most Americans now they want to be. They want to be kind, so they put that sticker. They want to be, you know, down with the whatever racial justice, so they put the black square. They, that's be. They don't want to do. Right. I think Margaret Thatcher said this. I found this out. I watched the um, the Iron Lady, great movie. Um, after like a couple of years after, I I realized this difference. There are people who are interested in doing, mm -hmm. and there are people interested in being. Mm -hmm. And we've moved to a culture of being something. You want to be an influencer. 
Well, I want to influence. Yeah. Why do you want to be an influence? What do you want to say? What do you, oh, I don't know. I just want to be an influence. Okay. So this is egoic. Yeah. So ultimately that being right and being kind and doing all that stuff is egoic. And there's proof in all the things you don't do. You don't try to convince me, someone who wouldn't take the vaccine. Mm -hmm. You don't, you don't try to include, you don't try to inform, you don't even try to inform yourself. You just want, you, you just staying in this category. In that particular case, they also probably wanted to stay safe because they were lied to. They were duped. Yeah. I mean, th there's no part of me that's like, you dumb pe people. Like, I'm mad more at the people who are spouting the lies for two solid years. So you think Adams feels dumb? No. <laughs> I think he feels duped. He's I, not, just not saying it. Yeah. But I, I definitely, I don't think he allows in his so-called delusion bubble, I don't think he allows himself to feel dumb. He was right always. Right. He's right always? Right. He was always well, So he said about the recent racial thing, right? Yeah. He said, um, racist thing. What he said was racist. Yes. I'm just going to call it racist. Yeah. Um, to be fair, he did say it's racist. He, he yeah. agrees with you. Oh, really? Yeah. Because he contradicts himself in the first two principles he lays out. He's a master persuader, Taraz. You're just not seeing the full I'm picture. I've never been persuaded. I'm not by shilling him. for Scott Adams. I've been entertained by him. I've, I've never been. So I found so, him amusing. Like when he was, he was a, uh, he was like dragging out getting vaccinated. He like did several videos about how like he went to the place to get it, and then the line was too long, so he decided to just go home. And then the next day he went in, and the line what? was still too long, but he decided to wait. And then when he got there, they were all out, so he had to go home. Like, that kind of shit. Why? Why? I thought he was just, like, I thought he was toying with his listeners, but then when he finally went and got it done, I was like, oh, you, you were actually trying. It wasn't just a funny, a funny bit. Did he get it done? I don't know. Do you think he did? Did Megyn Kelly? I think she'd be wise to maintain that she did not. Did all those people on the news? I saw this black girl, sorry, young woman, <clears throat> like mid to late 20s. They put her on MSNBC or CNN. I can't tell the difference. They put her on. Why? Because she's a young black female. This is early on in the, in, in the vaccine drive. And they said, um, this person got the vaccine. And I'm like, I'm like, what? Well, I was in the weight room with some brothers. Right? And I was like, watch, they're going to put a black person on screen. <laughs> young black woman appears. She's like, yeah, I went and I got it. Right. And was not prepared. For the next question. Well, there's one question. Was, uh, the first question was like, so did you suffer any side effects? Right. Oh, uh, no, it was just a little sore. Um, no, she goes like this. I went and I got it on one arm like this, right? And then when she says, oh, it's just a little sore, she reaches for the other arm, right? And all around me, I'm hearing this brother's like, she didn't get no goddamn vaccine. <laughs> and I was, I was like, no, of course she fucking did it. They put her on there because, they, because they're constantly lying to you. And I, I don't know how to get that through to people because I think that they feel like they're letting go of something, like who they are. But if I don't believe I'm on the right side of it, if I'm not this person who's smarter and I'm, I'm with the Cro-Magnoid backward yeah. inbred Trump, Racist. Racists. Yeah. Right. Um then who am I? Right, right. Am I a good person still? If I disagree with the vaccine, that means I'm a racist. What? <laughs> what? So, Why so, did you get that? So black and red people in this country are racist. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. And so are PhDs. Oh my gosh. But it's so funny how the logic works like that. It's, all, it's like there, there's, a, there's a whole gish gallop or, or a, like, if that's the right way of saying it. They, they just that's bounce. a debate technique. It's a debate technique. They just bounce between things that you are because you just... Overload you. Yeah. yeah they overload it's you. It's a laundry. And these other things, and this is the way, like, uh, another person with the trifecta of bigotry, like the way they talk about, like, Joe oh. Rogan and them. It's just like, that nothing you're saying is true. Right. But if you say enough lies and false accusations... 
someone's going to think, well, I would never, I would never listen to Joe and, Rogan. And this is why people, would you say this is at least part of why people are afraid to speak truthfully about what they see with their own two eyes in the modern day? Because they know... I, know, I think they know they'll be punished. They're, 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 the, the artillery's already zeroed in on their position. And if they make themselves known, they're going to get blown away. Yes, and that's the real message of the, of the propaganda. Right. Is you stay silent, too. You don't want to be on the wrong side of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's Which what, is how we know we're in East Germany. Yeah. Well, Do people have any fucking historic... Sorry, I keep swearing. It's, no, it's you're good. Historical, either that or I'm just going to like walk around on my hands yelling, <laughs> dude... Swear all you want. I don't want to see you walk in your hands. Okay. I'm not ready for a demon position. All right. Um, would you care to expand more on that East Germany comment you just made? No one knew what anyone was thinking. People were turning in their neighbors out of spite, paranoia, or concern that they would be called a witch next. Children were turning against their parents thinking they were in the wrong, convinced, as in Mao's cultural revolution, that the olds, wisdom, tradition, culture, old ways of doing things, religion, all that was wrong. There's plenty of wrong. The kids should rebel against the parents. That's nature. That's how we evolve. To apply that as a blanket and to promote the Greta Thunbergs while demoting adults and adult sovereignty and adult decision-making to the point of infants and treat them like they don't know what's right for their own body. Even their own doctors don't know what's right for their own body. Should be one of the signs history has taught us that something is very wrong and a totalitarian movement is taking place. But try to say that to a comfortable American. Mm -hmm. That can't happen here. It doesn't happen. It's in history books. Well, if it were to happen in America, What weakness, what fracture points, what cultural trigger points would it focus on? Maybe race? Mm -hmm. Would it hinge around things like mm, known to activate people's psychologies, tribal psychology, like disease? That's very primal. How did Hitler do it? Hmm. Hitler said, these people are associated with disease. These people bring these fever... Fevers. I'm going to go clean out the rats. I'm going to exterminate the pestilence, plaguing. Oh, and I'm going to keep doing that. I'm going to escalate it. I'm going to escalate it. All the. What did we become, man? We became the enemies of health. We became the. En- we. I'm sorry. I don't know what your vaccine status is, and I don't want to know. Much you. like I don't want to know when your last menses was, because none of my business. We became the enemies of goodness, health the society, nation, leave them behind, they said. They shouldn't go to work, should be constantly tested with swabs of their nose because they cannot be trusted as adults to stay home if they feel symptoms. Remember how another thing we've all forgotten, you can pass it on without symptoms. Really? Where's the proof? Has anyone forgotten that? Where's the proof? Where's any study saying so? Why were there no studies done? Why is this handled differently scientifically, medically, and politically from every other disease we've ever dealt with, period, including the Spanish flu? Why? Their gold standard, they said, for the mask study coming out. Two years ago, I know masks didn't work. Yeah. I still wore them for a few months just to, you know, make old people feel more comfortable. But two years ago, I was like, I'm shooting wet jets farther away from me than I could get inoculants, airborne, in vapor form 
than if I just breathed heavily. Yeah. Only sneezing and coughing would make this mask useful. Again, we're not trusted as adults to cough into our elbows. And there's something there because people still cough in their hands, especially older people. You want to cough deep into your elbows. <laughs> you, you do. Like, you do a Dracula style. Yeah, yeah, you do a Dracula style. It works extremely well. Then you don't touch doorknobs or other people's hands or items in the checkout lane or whatever. You go into your elbow. No one's going to lick your elbow. <laughs> you're fine. But you can't be trusted to stay home if you're sick. Yeah, that's the, that's the key thing about all of it. And it's it's like... it's. It might be hard for people to see how these how these topics relate, but the 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 reality is like that. What connects all of these things is this push toward infantilization. Yeah, they're man. treating us like that's dope. what I wrote about in my first essay too. Like, Did you ever? That's what Squid Game is about. Yes, there's a coded message coming from Korea warning us about China. And for those of you who will never read my essay, go well, ahead. Yeah, <laughs> but do you, did you see Elmo singing on? Fox News, I think it was, Fox Business, singing about staying inside and washing our hands. I'm like, this is Fox Business. Thank God, no. But what's wrong with staying inside if you're sick and what's wrong with washing your hands? But they got Elmo to do it. Okay. For adults. Yeah, that's creepy. That's pretty freaky. That is weird. Fo okay, now I yeah. see. <laughs> it, was I a, see yeah. it wasn't just Fox. It was Fox Business. business. No children are watching. No children are watching. It was intentional infantilization. Yes. And I, I did see other signs. I was like, why are they talking to me like this? The way that, that our officials talk to us, the way that our media people talk to us, it's as if we're, we're children. And the politicians do it the most. Yeah. Are these never men... And unwomen who look like they came out of a pod suburb somewhere yeah. were shuffled through the classes they barely passed to get their, you know, elite credentials. And, and there was a name for that. We were talking about it last night. Nepo baby? No, no. The, the World Economic <laughs> Forum did a thing. What was it? Young Global Leaders? Oh, yeah. Well, they were calling them Global Shapers. That was one of the first essays. I was going to put that out, but they, they kept changing the names and stuff. I kept tracking these Global Shapers, these young people who were put out bullshit. Yeah. They're, they're out there to lie. Oh, the Omicron looks dead. Bombs on the tweet. And the Omicron is this and that. Looks like the most this virus ever. And it's so crazy communicable trying to scare us about the what I call the new vaccine. Hmm. And you. Because it was designed in a lab by Jedis. <laughs> To contradict the people who designed the virus. That's why it has all those mutations on the head of the spike protein. It's obvious. Go ahead. That's outside of my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, okay, so, like, the, the example we were really dishing on was Justin Trudeau. He mm -hmm. talks to the Canadian people like they're preschoolers. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, know? he, because he's an ever boy. Like, look at him. You know, you know what people should do? Look up. When he's telling a Jewish member of his parliament, can't make this shit up. If you want to be on the side of the white supremacists and the haters yeah. and the sexists, look at his body language. Bitch boy motherfucker. Look at his body language. Yeah. He looks like a little petulant boy about the age of eight sticking out his neck. Well, if you want to be on the side of the... That's how he's talking. That's how he's looking. I don't want to tell people this. I want to say, go watch it. Go watch him tell a Jewish... Yeah, yeah, let's pull it up. Pull it up. I, I, Not just how he says it. 
how he delivers that line to make sure that the other member of parliament knows that this is the this is the official Canadian posture. We're going to pretend that people who care about Canada and bodily sovereignty and having any kind of voice and having any kind of protest and already stopped the honking and are just sitting in parked trucks doing nothing mm. but getting fed by Sikhs and native Canadians. <laughs> not much footage of that. No, never. And I'm not gonna pull it up because I can't get it to come through the computer and not mess up the recording. Okay, all right. But I am gonna cut it in. So I made okay, it cool. here. Okay, cool. Yeah, cut it in, but people need to watch it. They like, need, people, they need tell, to, tell them where to find it when you cut it in. I will. Please. I'll okay. put the link in the, in the okay. description. Okay. You do need to see the body language, but for me, at least 50% of it is just the voice. It's just this yeah. needly, like, you're stupid. Like that kind of stuff. And they're it's, like, you don't like white nationalists, do you? And you're like, is that the side? He said that's the side. If you want to be on the side of yeah, because instantly you know, dividing, it's all framing, and people don't see this because they don't learn the liberal arts. No, they don't realize you've entered into a conversation halfway in, and the other person already has done half the talking for you. Well, you that's not a frame I accept. On the side of, on the side of what you know, I didn't accept that back when George W. said you're either with us or you're with the terrorists. I was like, go f yourself. Yeah, fake Texan. <laughs> on your ranch they finished building on election day you know he's painting now he's, he's related i don't hate the guy yeah. i hate his whole administration no i get it i get it but that's that's the that's the whole thing we're getting at here is we're trying to be uh, i don't know it's so lame to just say you're trying to be nuanced but nuance is important at the same yeah. time so, yeah. are, so are generalizations you well, can say that the elite are all not the elite but most of the politicians are talking to us like children Mm -hmm. While also naming Justin Trudeau and saying he's a huge, obvious example of this. I think that's part of the thing is they get these childlike people yes, often to talk to us that way. And, you know, an even better example is the one that they won't show in the West when Trudeau goes to the EU forum. Did you see the speech he gave? 90% of the delegates walked out. Really? They walked out on the stage. And I swear, the rest of them were this group. Six of whom, one in English, you have to hear it berate him just stayed to berate him after his speech and tell him how anti-freedom anti-western and authoritarian and, and what a what a little mama's boy tyrant he is right and the rest just didn't know what was going on there's like from cameroon and they're like why is everyone walking out i'm going to stay and see why they hate trudeau so much yeah you can see it on their faces they're like what is going on there's a mass walkout because trudeau got on stage that's what everyone really thinks of the canadian so-called leader but he's a misleader. He's working for the WEF. He's openly said it. He likes China because of their dictatorial efficiency. Yeah. Because they build those bridges and buildings so quickly. So good, too. So, such high so, quality. Such solid. The Chinese are so satisfied with their efficient government. Well, we know who owns him. And it does feel like... It, it does feel like... It's going to become maybe more common that we see stuff like this where, well... I don't want to. I don't want to speak ahead of a, a topic here, but he sounds in that speech like he was trained by a corporate sem seminar speaking um, class. Yeah, and you hear a lot of that. That's why I believe that he's working for the WF because Klaus Schwab said it. Mm -hmm. That's the one thing like I buy into totally. Is Klaus Schwab said we've penetrated the Canadian Parliament. Most of them are with us. That's I mean, he, he said, it's open. You can find the video. I said, these aren't conspiracy theories. It's all in the open. And if you can't speak about what's in the open in front of you, you are a coward. And that's how we arrive at a modern-day East Germany. 
Right. Um, and I think that's part of why it's important for little guys like us to have podcasts, no matter how how small our audiences are now mm-hmm. or initially. It's important because, I mean, not to not to sound trite or like I'm, I'm you know like I'm just saying a meme, but this is this is the voice of ordinary people. Mm-hmm. I'm just a guy. All right, I studied history for a long time outside of class. I made a nice podcast. It's fun. It seems like we've got a lot of people who like it. People do like it. But I'm also, you know, just a dude. I don't have any political power. But it's important to have conversations like this to show that there's, one, common ground. More common ground than we think. Mm-hmm. And that it's not it's not as simple as, like, orange man bad. Like, I get it. I understand why people don't like orange man. Mm-hmm. Fully understand it. I don't. You don't? Okay, no. See, that's I know why I don't like Orange Man. And I know why the others say they don't like him, because they think he's caught up in all these scandals and he was the end of democracy. I didn't see any of that. Hmm. Uh, he was defending liberal values. It's very strange to me to see in my time, at my age, the conservatives being the ones defending liberal values and the liberal ones suppressing by anything they can get away f- with liberal values and being as illiberal as you possibly can in the American context, even forcing the context to be so much more fascistic that they have advanced that beyond anything I think America's ever seen. And meanwhile, they're calling the other side fascists. Right. They're calling the other side authoritarians. Always about five, six weeks after the independent media starts calling the left something, Mm -hmm. they get the memo. And Joy Reid starts using that same language to the right. This is another pattern I've noticed that I want to do a video on because nobody's talking about it. It is several weeks after a certain term becomes popular to describe the woke that that term is suddenly used quite deliberately and ubiquitously in mainstream left media to describe the right. It keeps happening. It happens over and over again. It reminds me of Marxist uh, revolutionary theory, which, you know, to describe the other side, call the other side, accuse the other side of what you're doing, because it creates confusion. And it most certainly does. My own mom, I'm sure, Trump is doing anti-authoritarian things. And she's sitting there saying Kyle Rittenhouse shouldn't, and so many people, my friends, male, female, black, white, were saying, yeah, he shouldn't shouldn't have been out there. He shouldn't have shot those people. Do you know anything about the story? Mm. Do you care anything about your rights? Like your your primary, and forget liberal rights, okay? Forget free speech and all that, just for a moment. Please don't forget them. But the right to self-defense is the first animal right. That's the right, that's the law of the jungle, man. That's That's rule one. And these people can't even respect that. And they want to censor speech yeah. through big tech mm. to the point where Yoel Roth is like, dang, oh, these people were back. Yoel Roth. <laughs> is very much an effete, elite, authoritarian, you know, upper crust, can't dirty his hands, traumatized by even reporting on January 6th, punk. He is a punk. <clears throat> but he's a good enough heart and a wise enough person to complain openly in text about the government's constant, overwhelming number of requests to censor and deplatform people. Mm. So what's happening is authoritarian and illiberal. And you are on the side of it because you're so sure Elon Musk is what? What is he now? What is he now? What is? Oh, he's racist because he's from South. Really, yeah. <laughs> the guy who got beat almost to death 
by what race do you think he got beat almost to death by? The guy whose parents, even after that beating, were anti-apartheid? Activists? I didn't know any of that. Oh, of course you didn't know any of that. Right, because they leave that shit out. <sighs> because That's... they want to paint him as the same thing. They, they got one brush, man. It sucks. It's the, it's... Uh... And they don't notice it? They know, these white people know these other white people on white supremacists. They know what the hell a white supremacist is. These are people we don't associate with. They know their friends and colleagues and... and they, nobody white joins white nationalist anything. Except now maybe the youth out of, you know, desperation. Yeah. That's what I'm very worried is going to happen. Now it's already happening. Really sucks to see that happening. I've been trying to tell people that that's the danger coming. I can't convince my black friends. Can't do it. They do not see what's coming. They do not see that black people could possibly be causing this. They do not see that the racial justice movement is cr creating exactly these disaffected white kids with very good reason to feel victimized and hated and banned up and achieve the race consciousness that DEI keeps teaching us we all need to elevate in ourselves. Well, congrats, you fucking lations, you parasites. You got what you're at, you know? Jesus Christ, do the math. There's four and a half times as many white people as black people. Already there's the quiet flight mm -hmm. away that we didn't see for decades. I see it everywhere. I know people in Baltimore got multiple white kids, got a, ships them out with grandma's money to go to private school outside of the city. Why? Because send your blonde kids to a Baltimore public school. No, go ahead. Send your blonde kids. You can't even walk down the damn street in Baltimore. And everybody knows I'm telling the truth right now. Everybody knows I'm not being, everybody in Baltimore knows. You can call me all the stupid names your ignorant self wants to call me right now, but everybody in Baltimore knows. I grew up what I thought was a normal way with other races around me and what I thought normal kids were like, because they are, we're brainwashing them. These stupid white women are putting CRT in the classrooms and being okay with it. Mm, I'll go off too long, but, yeah. but they, they put this CRT in and black people are really convinced well, it's black, it must help the black cause. No, it's not. Because you're teaching these kids horrible, horrible lessons. They're not looking at the final effects of what this actually does to a child's psychology. They can't understand all this complex Marxist gobbledygook. I don't, I don't understand this insistence on teaching hatred of any kind. I mean, it's, I know, I, I, here, here's, okay, so one of the things I said on the French Revolution episode. Well, how else do you pass on racism, man? It's important to teach hate. Otherwise it naturally dies. Kids kill racism. I, yeah, I generally agree with that. All right, now you understand the importance. Yeah, so what I was going to say, though, was when we were talking about the French Revolution, we replaced um, egality, fraternity, and uh, liberté, equality, brotherhood, liberty. We replaced equality with revenge, uh, liberty with license, and brotherhood with conformity. So... Basically, these are words that sound nice, but what they mean is revenge. And so we talk mm -hmm. about quality in this country. What we really mean is training people to get revenge. Revenge is something that's... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Go, okay, go ahead. Right. I have a question. Am I, am I off? Well, you seem to be implying that black people's vague, disagreed upon, and ill-defined goal of equality mm -hmm. is just revenge. No, no. I'm saying... Okay. The, the white version of equality that the liberals are all talking about, to them, is revenge. They want they want mm. to see black people get revenge and white people that aren't them. That aren't them, right? Yeah. That aren't them. I'm on the right side. Yeah, that's, that's why the, the BLM riot. You can't trust those white people, brothers. I'm telling you, they're crazy. 
Um, watch your ass. <laughs> yeah, you can't trust them. Uh, no, I just saw. I mean, the, you the, can trust Scott Adams more than you can <laughs> trust them. No, I'm. I'm t- I'll tell you the real man. Dilbert. Um, no, in the in the riots, you know, I did not see that many. At least where I was, up in Milwaukee and around Chicago, mm-hmm. I saw more crazy white people losing their shit and burning shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that in Portland, Oregon. Okay, so. Mm-hmm. And, and you're probably still seeing it in Portland because they, yeah, they never really there. stopped, did they? Yeah, you know, people have no idea what's going on in Portland. That is a that's a dark city. <sighs> yeah, it it is not. There's no way that city doesn't collapse. Mm-hmm. That is my prediction. Well, I was here's just another side anecdote, I guess. I meant to bring it up a little bit earlier. I was uh, showing my girlfriend uh, a dictionary from 19. 19- 20 or something like that. Man, I used to have all these old dictionaries. <laughs> the word racism isn't in there. Well, because everyone was racist. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't defined yet. It was defined as right. sort of bigotry. You know, there were, there were words for it, but there really? wasn't this specific bigotry. You know, and it reminds me of you know, what we were watching last night where we heard something like texturism. <laughs> right, fuck it. I'd never heard of texturism, te- right? I'd never heard featureism. of featureism. Dude, I've been studying this stuff for years. I hadn't heard of texturism or featureism. They just come out. They, I mean, at what point, man? At what point do you be like, you're just finding every little category you're dissatisfied with and it's saying and looking it's at it through the Marxist lens that someone is exploiting you in an unfair dynamic has somehow been inculcated into people's minds. Right. Every time you warp reality with a fundamental wrong you have to adjust the rest of reality to adjust to it because otherwise your word world falls apart yeah <laughs> and speaking of worlds falling apart there are other topics i do want to cover with you even though this one's full of fire and, and stuff nah dude i'm gonna be crucified if we keep going down this direction man nah, nah, don't worry I'll, I'll i'll make it sound nice um by uh, cleaning up the audio quality and that sort of oh, thing better right. <laughs> thank you i want thank you actually uh so one thing that I, I think I find very interesting about you is that you, you think American history is particularly important. And not because And fascinating. And fascinating. But yeah, I love it. And I don't mean to I don't mean to say that other histories aren't as important, but American history is special because it's what? What would you say? Unique. Hmm. And in what way? We are a nation built of rebels and ideas. Uh, the slavery, the genocide, the cultural genocide, the forced assimilation these things are not unique to American story. What's unique to the American story is that a bunch of people had a chance that may never exist again, which is why we can't let China win and why we can't turn communist and continue in this totalitarian path to whatever sort of totalitarianism it seems some people are planning for us and dissatisfied, psychologically unbalanced people in academia think they want to be a part of bringing about because we are the last chance for human freedom. Mm. And we would have only had that chance the way that it happened a couple hundred years ago when there are large groups of whites trying to get away from religious oppression and legal oppression. Other crazy white people. A lot of crazy white people came here. <laughs> yeah. My mom calls it the wandering puppy theory of America. She calls it the wandering puppy theory. Is that the ones who leave and come still today the ones who will risk, the risk takers, the rebels, the criminals, the pirates, mm-hmm. the entrepreneurs, the darers, the dreamers, the adventurous, they come to America. And that's in our blood, man. Mm-hmm. 
and it, it's in the people still coming here. The immigrant Americans are some of my favorite people, man. They're, they're, you, you would leave behind what you have because you know something is better, even though it's uncertain. You're willing to enter the uncertain. What I see in Americans today is their butts are so fat that they will not enter the uncertain. They will not, they're so comfortable, so coddled mm -hmm. by the success of America. Um, at whatever rung of the socioeconomic ladder there are, these people know what America is, and Americans do not. And it it boils my blood to hear them denigrate what if they are dissatisfied with, and as I have many complaints against, still remains the best hope for human freedom. Your cornball who went to Top Gun 2 twice, if you say something about freedom in America these days. Right. Unless you're an immigrant, you come from someplace like, I don't know, the Islamic Republic of Iran, and you know what the goddamn hell you're talking about. Yeah. So that occurred because Americans came over and through secret societies, which I believe we're going to need more of. That's why I call my thing Magi Nation. I don't want to know the other Magi, right. Right? but I think we're all about to start secret societies if, if we're going to... Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. So start your secret societies, folks. Get your t-shirts ready. Get your handshakes worked out. <laughs> you know, do it, do it, do it. Stay away from the cell phones, first of all. Um, I don't mean to interrupt your train of thought, but I would love it's it. It's going everywhere. That's great. No, I was just, so we were talking about the Constitution, mm -hmm. and you were explaining to me how it was actually composed of, it, we're not necessarily uh, Christian documents. Okay, so let me let me connect the, the frayed end of my nether ramble, most recent, to that. <laughs> okay. The... People who came over were rebels. They were Mason Deists. And I respect very much the effect of Christian culture on the West. I don't talk about it. Um, Jordan Peterson did convince me that the, one of the lessons hidden in the Bible, that which is true and expressed will set you free, right? It's in the Gospel of St. Tom, which is my favorite gospel. It's the only one I've fully read. It's very short. Mm -hmm. There's a lion inside you. If you express it, it will save you. If you don't, it will consume you. That is Christian, though a lot of that mystical, esoteric, real old Christian stuff was lost in, in the more uh, recent versions of Christianity. But I don't think that's what formed this nation. Mm. What formed this nation were people who thought, Lucifer was a good symbol, right, for individual intelligence and personal experience and the enlightenment that brings. Mm -hmm. That wasn't satanic. It was part of Mason's beliefs, Freemasonic beliefs. And so was, I found that this was a Freemason precept, the idea that man cannot be free lest he can think and speak without fear of punishment, mm. his mind. Mm -hmm. So that is major, major in the foundation of America. The First Amendment... By the way, the Bill of Rights are not amendments like everything after them was. Nine and ten are like administrative, so we'll say there were ten. But really, the first eight were elucidations of rights the founders considered inherent in the Constitution. They, they may never have, but they did eventually get argued into, because it was born of argument and fire and clashing, mm -hmm. liberal debate. That's how the Constitution was formed, which is why I trust him, why it's such a strong an adaptable document. Um, another argument for liberal values is our constitution that didn't need to be enumerated versus those who thought it needed to be enumerated because otherwise people wouldn't know. There were such alien rights to the rest of the world 
that finally the founders democratically were convinced we should elucidate these rights. Mm. Although they are implicit, people may not infer them. Speech, religion, the press, which is considered the fourth estate because they'll put the check on the three branches that we've divided powers. And the more I looked into how that formed, the more I found really strange disparate elements. Like I think about at least 20% of the construction of America came from the Cyropedia, or the education of Cyrus, which all the founders were reading. I guess it was popular among the Masons back then. They were passing it around, but like a couple of the big guys had their own copies of it. It's this tome about how um, our great king in Iran, um, the one who freed the slaves in Babylon, including the Jews, and um, made slavery illegal as he conquered countries and had rotating satraps uh, or satraps, which are governors, and they had terms of four years. They couldn't stay in one place long because that would make them corrupt. Now, they didn't have the democratic element. That was totally Greece. But Persia does not get the credit for everything else <laughs> that, that was contributed. And then an even larger portion uh, um, of our initial founding documents and the construction of how our government would work came from the Iroquois Confederacy because mm -hmm. they had many, many good ideas. And all you hear today is, oh, the white man took these red things and didn't understand the principle of reciprocity. You know, they, they say these things implying white people genetically don't know how to reciprocate. It's constant. It's a constant font of hate mm -hmm. coming from people who criticize America. And it's very annoying because they're always wrong, which, yeah. which is really bizarre. Like, I don't know how you are always wrong. Like, you think yeah. accidentally you might get something right. You know, like 1619 Project might have got something right. It did get win the Pulitzer Prize, but... Well, one thing we do know is that the Jews are always wrong. And so we should totally go after the Jews. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm no. just applying the logic. <laughs> right. I'm sorry. There's or, nothing they could have gotten right in the Kabbalah. There's nothing there. Don't right. look. They're all bad. Right. Right? And this this, yeah, Kabbalah, this bigotry we're Kabbalah, talking... Kabbalah came from Persia. But go ahead. <laughs> Actually, it came from uh, <laughs> Indo-European paganism. I'm just right, kidding. Right, right, right. Everyone right, wants right. to take credit. Right, that's a good point. But what I'm trying to say is... This whole bigotry really, like, it's, it really is just bigotry. And I don't, I'm not saying that like a, it's like, also ignorance. like a noodle boy. It's also a cool, it's ignorance that is flaunted as cool. You're cool if you're a rebel. You're such a rebel, the corporations and the politicians agree with you. You're such oh, yeah. a rebel, it's what all your teachers are teaching you. All the movies. You're such a rebel, everyone else has blue hair too. Like, yeah. you're, it's, uh, I know. That's not rebellion. No. It's revolt. Rebellion it's is individual. Rebel <laughs> <laughs> rebellion is individual. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I guess what I'm trying to get at here is like using that bigotry to condemn an entire group of people. It, you you make yourself dumber by doing that. If you do, because you can't think clearly about the topic that, about many topics. Eventually, you couldn't possibly learn. Like if you're if you're a you know say you're a dyed in the wool racist, white supremacist, and you decide you can't learn anything from black people. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm going to call you dumb, and I'm going to say that's like not even music. What? Oh, yeah, what they, about the math of music, man? They, they'll, they'll listen to rap when no one's looking. Trust me. But, yeah. but what I'm saying is, yes, like, they will. <laughs> like this, this, the the bigotry that forms, and it's not even necessarily hatred. It's just like I, I don't trust things from there. Uh, that can, I mean, it, it will prevent you from expanding your mind for one thing, but for two, I sort of feel like sometimes, at certain times in history, there is a necessity for that kind of thing. I'll give you one example. One example: the Puritans when they left. Europe to come to America. They came to America and they're like, the Bible said it, I believe it, that settles it. 
right? Mm. And you know what they didn't get? They didn't get the weird ideas of the French Revolution causing problems at home. And so they got to... Does this make sense? Are you tracking with me? Because they're simple and they had a code they followed. They were bigoted, right? They said oh, nothing French. <laughs> Simple-minded. Yes. Now that can be, that was a good rule at the time. At the though. time, the French were in chaos. Right. Yeah. At the time, the yeah. ho- the new hotness was France, and they right. said that is we are we are far too simple for those things. That's the only time, one of the only times in history I can think of where that was totally effective. But now with the internet. You can explore these things without get, like getting in danger if you're not stupid about it. Mm-hmm. The thing I was going to say to answer your question fully, sorry, this is like narrative structure at this point, um, is it happened because we were 90% economically independent here. By we, I mean Americans. I wasn't born here. Mm-hmm. By we, I mean black people. Mm-hmm. By we, I mean everyone who's living today in America. Like it or not, you're an American. Sorry. Uh, yeah, sorry. You can trade it. Yeah, you are free to move to Canada. <laughs> you can be talked to like a two-year-old. Mm-hmm. You can have a man like that lead you, but um, the, it wouldn't have happened otherwise. The other colonies didn't manage to do it. The British government was strongly punitive and had the army and the navy both exceptionally well trained and funded to crush any revolt, and they did. It was the Americans who first stopped that. And I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I'm not getting hard. I'm not one of those that Britain was the source of all you because they brought, they gave us common law, which is great. Mm-hmm. Each man's home is his castle. That's where the castle doctrine comes from. Robin Hood, the, that all comes from there. I, I love the things that flowed through England, Western culture that came through. Tristan and his old, we shall choose our own romantic life. It goes way back. I, I love Western European principles. I'm just saying they were being assholes everywhere. And we were the ones that rebelled because we could. And slavery is why. We would not, without slaves, you think we would have won the damn revolution? You think we would have the economic foothold and the muster without that extra economic kick of free labor all over the place? Mm-hmm. You know, in the, in, the, in the essentials producing states and in the drug dealing states. Yeah. We're always drug dealers, man. <laughs> we're always dealing tobacco. Or all the, um, Nothing has changed. Yeah, but... Um, but Americans don't know this history. They just, they mostly learn now what is wrong with America or false things that are wrong with America, right? Um, there's plenty to critique in foreign policy, but there's not much to critique domestically as far as our progress. This document and Americans themselves being rebellious, being loud, being willing to fight, which is what makes you American, you are free to move to Canada. Yeah. <laughs> um, are are the things that brought us through all the many inertias and classisms and racisms that human beings have to make our credo more true decade by decade. Why would your teachers, other than to propagandize you and get you to hate your home under false pretenses, hide from you the fact that this document our principles, this nation based on ideas, liberal values, and the Masonic and ancient Persian and Greek and Iroquois, you know, those five tribes, principles that formed this balanced and checked apparatus, is able to adapt and evolve and has brought us more civil rights sooner than other places. The American Disabilities Act you know, that happened here first. A lot of things happened here first. That's what history keeps showing over and over again. 
and we became more and more equal along with more and more economic and technological freedoms like the washing machine freeing women to be liberated enough to have equality, you know, things like that. But also the movements that naturally rise from Americans and are allowed by our document. Yes, they require a fight because human beings are flawed and because people who, who gain from the status quo and either cannot contribute to society otherwise or convinced they can't, Justin Trudeau, are born into th these positions of elite privilege. They go to the right schools, they shake the right hands, and they want to keep those positions. And that's, that's natural for most, not all. Pessimists would say most human beings. There are rich rebels. There are, you know, people who will buck the trend and use their money against um, entrenchment of corrupt power. What if that's the problem? Rather than the document itself, yeah, which is just fine, yeah. and it's done better than any other document in history, and brought us to this point where you're enjoying equality and freedom and privilege and liberty and power so much that you can make up problems yeah. and pretend there's still a glass ceiling and pretend that, you know, pretend all this stuff and be coddled in your doing so like a baby yeah. throwing a tantrum and still fed instead of kicked out of the damn country. Okay. Which brought us to this point. There is no other reason. They're obviously propagandizing you. They want us, they want us, they want America gone. That's what you would Yes. Suggest. There, there's no, there's no other translation because all these, white supremacy is America. Yep. White supremacy is capitalism. What is that? It's a pejorative America's for free a markets. country. Capitalism is a pejorative for free markets and free enterprise. Yeah. Go to the Chinese and ask them, what would they prefer? Ask the Iranians. Hmm. Their markets are being heavily subsidized, controlled and regulated in, 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 austere and seemingly arbitrary ways that always favor the elite. Ask people in other countries, would you rather have, would you rather be able to contract something? And these marks, you know, they can't think straight. I can argue every single one of them on any point into seeing their own contradictions, but their whole point of Marxism is to point out your contra seeming contradictions and to change language to make it so mm -hmm. and continuously accuse you. If free markets brought most of the human species out of abject poverty, would you know it, having gone through 12 years of standard and four years of American college education? Would you even graduate a four-year college and after 16 years of schooling in America today, would you know that or would you know the lie that China perpetuates that they managed to bring so many of their citizens out of poverty, which is a complete lie. You can look into it. It's not a complete lie. They hedged the numbers. They changed the definitions like Marxists do, like commies do. They're constantly lying and you buy anything they say. They lied about Peng Shui. They, they you know, Chloe Zhao won that uh, Oscar over here and said, oh, yeah. China is a place where lies are everywhere. Yeah. Poof, she disappears too. Like, they're, there is tremendous punishment by people who are liars of those who break the lie. You know this. This is logic. Any child understands this. Mm -hmm. Don't break the lie. Don't tell. Don't expose. Or we'll be mad at you. Why? Because we're criminals. And we're trying to pull one over on people. That's why I'm very, very scared is happening here. Mm -hmm. Because it's happening here. Yeah. And, and my proof is that a kid can graduate from college and not know the most obvious things about America. 
It's our principles. Our, it, you go to court. Civil rights, those were mostly court battles. It was, it was won in the court. It was fought in the streets. It was won in the court. Why? Based on the Constitution. You, we have to reinterpret it this way. Well, what about three-fifths clause? We get rid of that. We have amendments if, if we have to shift things structurally. It's all there. And they want to eradicate the Constitution. You have morons out there, like Vauch or whatever dumb name. This multimillionaire socialist, typical white, rich socialist guy. A typical intellectual bully guy. I've okay? heard the name. Right. He says, oh, and the Constitution is stupid as shit. You know, one of those throwaway things. That, that, that's what they do for the midwits, right? Is he a this, boy? I don't know or care. <laughs> I, I'm judging him by his ideas. Sure, sure. And the way he expresses things. Oh, the Constitution is stupid as shit. So I tried to look. Well, how is the Constitution stupid as shit? He's never said. Eli Mistalip. That, well, here's the things that I would change about the Constitution. Oh, they happen to be four things that are very popular on the authoritarian left right now. Gun regulation, for example. Uh. Oh, so today, Eli Mistal, the blustering, blowhard idiot, would would say, the Constitution is stupid, and this is how I would change it. I could rewrite it personally. Dude, you the, can write your arrogance. way out of a paper bag. The arrogance. Don't know. I'll, I'll hear you out. I think there are geniuses and talent everywhere, even in the crazy. Yeah, you're right. You know, I shouldn't be saying... But he, does, he, he happens to say these things that my channel are pushing from the left now, these things about marriage, like these are the things I would say, oh, so today in this moment, yeah. you would change this document that's survived for a quarter millennium and adapted just fine, even and only according to its own rules of how it should adapt. That's the document you would change, the one that got us here. <laughs> yeah. And the way you would change it is curiously, by, <laughs> by introducing in it restrictions that you, as an authoritarian leftist moron, removed from world reality, you know, living in this bubble that thinks, you know, you press the button and the pizza comes and freedom is always available, it falls out of the sky and it's the norm for all humanity. The stupid shit that Americans think, born Americans think, okay, they don't even realize they think, just presume, um, you would rewrite it coincidentally in accord with your current political sentiments this decade. This is why... And this person gets paid. Yeah. To teach people about America. This is why it's good to have, like, immigrant voices to talk about this stuff. Because it's like we've been living here so long, we're just used to it. And somebody who doesn't, isn't from here, is going to walk in and notice things that you just can't see. Yeah. You can call it out. Yeah. You know? Even an idiot. Why? Because they have a different perspective. That's why it's so valuable to include voices. Exactly. So I don't believe in inclusion with a capital I because it's a code for exclusion. But I'm very much a liberal. What do liberals like to do? I'm going to teach all the liberals out there. They like to include as many perspectives as possible. Why? Because the presupposition in liberal ideology is that you are more likely to make the best decision for the way forward now when you have all the viewpoints and all the information you can get and then debate them and discuss them. Pretty simple, right? Yeah. Yeah, we're not doing that. No. And, but that's why I think podcasts like yours are so important because I know, like, the stuff I've heard that you're going to be covering, I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. Yeah. But you know what? You can. And I don't know if it's because you're crazy. You are a little, a little crazy. Am I? You did jump up and make Chinese halfway through the interview. Oh, sorry. You did threaten to walk around on your hands. <laughs> I can do that. I, I'm sure you can. And um, you can prove it to me after the recording's done. Okay. Um, the, but I, I look at what you're planning to do with anonymous conversations, and I look at that and I go, I couldn't get away with that. 
At least not as yeah. effectively. And no, it's, it's true. I can get away with a lot because mm-hmm. of my highly unusual background. Yeah. You know, I can, I can, I'll talk to black people this way too. I don't know why I have as many black friends as I still, but, but I lost like what half of them over the past six years since this Nazi ideology is. Yeah. Cause you have lighter skin or whatever. That's because of the scars on my head, my background, and my name, dude. Mm-hmm. Black people can look... Black people can smell real. You know, it's something about black culture I was, grew up with, I was raised in, is the value of authenticity. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite values of black American culture. There are black people out there respecting what Scott Adams did right now. I saw... That's how much black... Right. That's how much black people respect authenticity. That's a value I grew up with thinking was American. Because silly me, I thought black people were part of America. Silly me, I thought this stuff my black mentors and black friends and black families I was around taught me was American. To my, see, to, to my you know, Iranian kid coming in, you're all Americans. You're, you want to divide yourselves up. But trust me, the rest of the world, your yeah. black ass goes to Africa. They are not. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, you're one of us. Come home, brother. No, they're like, you're an American. You know? I go back to England. They treat me like an idiot. Because right. I'm in America, right? That happened. Right. And whenever I'm like, ah, my family literally came from this village. And they're like, but you're not. You're not English. You're not. You know? Right. The, the Irish do that, too. Yeah. Like people with Irish blood. They love Ireland. Everybody loves Ireland. Everybody loves Irish. They're yeah. awesome. You go back there and they're like, yeah, I'm Irish. And they're like, nah, no, you're not, though. Blood, you, know? <laughs> you didn't grow up on this island, you know? Yeah. And that's what's so funny about it is like the, that's where the racism thing sort of falls apart. It's like racially speaking, I'm Anglo. I can go back to England. I'm English. But No. I'm not. I'm not English. I'm American. Right. Yeah. I'm American too. Exactly. Yeah, but I I'm because it's, we're connected by something that's has little to actually very little to do with race. It has more to do with ideas and principles. Right. Yes. But that's why. The, and they never talk about that. And that's why. We, go ahead. I was gonna say, but that's why the men of this country, no matter their background or their race, if you can see what we're talking about here, it's time to. Be okay with saying what you see and saying what you think. Coming from that activist angle is kind of like coming from the immigrant angle. Activists, and every activist listening to this is, is about to nod their head to what I'm about to say. The antidote to, I'm quoting Julia Butterfly. Okay, okay I'll okay. start with that. The antidote to despair is action. Mm-hmm. This cry for hope that you hear, not help, hope from these smarty pants who convince themselves all is lost and they hope Russia takes over. They hope the Chinese yeah, take yeah. over because, they, you know, at least their youth don't have anything and the Americans are soft and, you know, and it's all over and, but, you know, because they just can't handle any distress. It's right, like, right. damn, dude, not, people aren't even warring in the streets yet. Like, yeah. you're not even in the bread lines. Like, this is nothing. But my point is, activists know there's always the option of despair. And you get the activist blues even. You have to take breaks. But as Margaret Mead said, <laughs> um, do not ever doubt that a small group of committed people can change the world. I'm paraphrasing, but it's almost quoting her to say, in fact, it is the only thing that ever has. Mm. This is what history shows. They don't show you that. Much like these people don't talk about, you know, the black pillars and the pessimist intellectuals, they don't ever discuss that we've been in terrible places before and it's a bad bet to bet against Americans because we're so wild and unpredictable. We're a mess. That's our power. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. It's, you know, what? as a creative person, what does he have about him? A mess, usually. Mm-hmm. He might be, you know, perfectionistically meticulous in his car and everywhere else and you go into his creative space and it's a sty. Mm-hmm. Why? 
because he thrives in that chaos and new connections are made, new, new ideas come with the chaos. Well, America's pretty good at putting out ideas. I don't know if you've noticed. Yeah. I don't know if you know if it's who steals whose intellectual property, but it's everyone steals ours, mm-hmm. right? It's everyone steals. We invent everything. We make the new musics. We make the new, we do that. That's why America is cultural power because we're enormously creative because we're enormously free. That's what it is. Yeah. Freedom inhering to the individual. Rights inhering to the individual. As an activist, there's no better place to stand. You have tremendous power as an American activist compared to activists in other countries. That's why they're always trying to get us to come over and expose this to the Americans because that'll expose it to the world. Or bring your American money. That's definitely part of the power. Mm-hmm. Um, but American, you know, the, to have an American passport. I probably shouldn't say this, but when I was in Kiev... I was even there with like white Westerners coming with me, right? All right. The rich Nigerians or, you know, people, and they were being treated well and everything, but all the, all the people from the Western, the Shenzhen countries and America, Europe, Western Europe specifically, not Eastern Europe. They didn't trust those people. We're shuttled into one line, into the blue line as we, as we got our stuff from customs. No, as we got our stuff, our baggage and we're walking to customs. And then there was a red line that was longer for people from all the other countries. Now, I knew about the privilege of being an American citizen, okay? I did not experience this passport privilege to this degree before. I walk in the blue line with the Europeans and mostly white people speaking languages I recognize, right? Western Mm -hmm. European stuff. And we're going in the shorter line with seemingly politer, more professional, better dressed customs people. Mm -hmm. And over there, it's just like... Rent a, I don't know. It was a, it was a mess, and they were they were tearing open these bags, right? And and they're treating us well over here and stuff. And I was like, I go on this line, right? And the Ukrainian could hear I spoke American English, mm-hmm. right? That's I, I figured this out later. Um, and said, where, where, where? And I held out my passport and see my American passport. And she pointed in a third direction. And I looked around me. I was like, I haven't done customs yet. And she goes. It was the exit door. Oh, my God. I could have brought anything in that motherfucker. Dude, I could have brought anything into Ukraine. Anything, That's man. crazy. And they were like, yeah, you're American. Go ahead on in. That's, I was like, that's really interesting. Yeah, man. You wave and make, you get have a crime committed against you as an American passport. Anyway, anyway. Um, being an American passport holder is advantageous. Being an American is advantageous. You have tremendous power here. Mm-hmm. And you're foregoing that. And yes, in my moral framework, the responsibility it entails. But let's just say you're egoic or immature or narcissist and you're just concerned with power. At least, at least realize how much power you have to affect your own life, to affect the world, and to affect your nation. At least wake up, American, to your tremendous privilege and power earned for you by blood and sacrifice and because of this document. Damn, that's really powerful. I like that. And I don't like I don't like using the word powerful, but really there's something to that. And this is a you know a good opportunity for me to jump in and say, I encourage other Americans who are thinking about starting podcasts or thinking about starting YouTube channels and saying what they see to do it. Because that's you know, this is this is armchair warfare, what I'm doing here, what I've been doing with my show. But it does have an effect. You know, this, this microphone sitting between me and Taraj represents the ears of thousands. And that is kind of crazy because we're just sitting in my apartment. 
but imagine. It's if, tremendous power. It is. You it, don't think about these little things. The privilege to say the things we've said. Mm-hmm. I mean, to, to, to discuss the things we've discussed openly uh, that, you know, you, you could just get destroyed for. I mean, like the cancel culture thing, it does exist here. There's such thing as shadow banning and things like that. But it's not the government busting down your door and taking your computer and your microphone. Yeah. You know how many times a damn Erie has taken my father's computers mm-hmm. and everyone else's computers in the family? Seven times. Seven times. Yeah. Taking, just taking all the computers. Oh, and what's the reason? Because you know they got to give a reason. Ah, hi, you stupid American sucker. There's no damn reason. <laughs> Go to Ethiopia, get searched by some cops who rough you up, jump out of the side, and then be like, hey, where was your war? You can't just stop and frisk me. In most of the countries in the world, that is not even a thing. The concept that you have the rights to deny whatever the cops want to do to your body short of break you is not a thing. Did you know that? They didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Most of us don't get to travel internationally, especially not now. Right. And, you know, traveling internationally is a real eye-opener. And you've, you've been to a lot of more places than I have, that's for sure. No, I haven't. Mostly I travel domestically. I've been a lot of places in the 48 states. But even domestically. I haven't been out of this pocket in five, four, five, three, four years now. And before that, it was just Texas and the Midwest. That's it. I, I've been to California once. Were you scared? I was 13. Oh. I didn't know. But we were in San Francisco. I was uncomfortable. But <laughs> Why? It was because it was big. It was big. That was it. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. The I mean, gold, it was. The Golden, Gate, <laughs> the Golden Gate Bridge was stunning. Yeah. And the, the, I'd never seen a city with that many hills. Yeah. Like, that was incredible. And mist. Mm-hmm. And beautiful, multicolored houses. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just gorgeous. I I'm, I broke my heart in San Francisco, man. That's That city breaks my heart. Every time I go there, it breaks my heart worse. Not looking good. Ask anyone. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me. Ask the next person you podcast with what's going on in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And if they even go there anymore. I've heard the same of Portland. 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 Portland's in another planet. But there needs to be... A, an international intervention yeah. <laughs> and like or at least a documentary like people need, <laughs> people have no idea man yeah last time I was there there was there was a street closure for 90 minutes of course the cops didn't come I don't know why mm-hmm. I'd be suspicious if I was y'all Rose City Antifa mm-hmm. they're watching on y'all mm-hmm. there's a Rose closure road closure and um due to uh, doing donuts the side shows we call them in oh yeah um uh, in the in the street, this is the middle of the night for ninety minutes. Different cars and yeah. some dude, some Antifa dude with a flamethrower, long range flamethrower, shooting it up over the street. Oh my god! This is the middle of the night, popular intersection in the middle of Portland. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. Period. Everyone's on their own there, and you can't defend yourself. It's like RoboCop. Oh, I think that's what the setup's for. Mm-hmm. You've been reading my stuff. Yes, I have. <laughs> yeah. <they've> got- <laughs> The dogs are coming. Yeah. Those... Oh, it did not surprise me at all. And the next is Chicago. Mm-hmm. Say goodbye to... Uh, you might, If you live in Illinois, you might want to consider moving. <laughs> yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Do as I did. Get out of <laughs> Illinois. Save yeah. yourself. So what, what's the next topic, man? Well, if you want to keep going, we can keep going. I felt like that was a nice way to round it out, but... Oh, really? Yeah. Probably trim it down a bit, you know, but... 
but it sounds like work. One dude, you charge so little. Mm-hmm. You guys were. I'm just tell you. Okay, I listen to a lot of podcasts now because um, everyone does. Yeah, got to got to get news somewhere. Um, your work is clearly in depth. There's way more. You guys are storing, so like, of course, you're doing a lot of research for each thing. And I learn a lot from your podcast because I really love history, but I'm too lazy to read it. Mm-hmm. You know, I have one book, the recent prize winner on Ben Franklin because he's my hero. You know, fat, bald, ugly whore, like, <laughs> saved America. Like, yeah. I, I just think he's amazing. But um, the the level of work I hear has gone into other podcasts, yeah. including my own. And I do try, you know, but I'm novice. Um it doesn't compare to to what you guys do. So I'm I'm not I don't like reducing access mm-hmm. to this information. I think that's foolish because this is wartime radio. Right, it's as a relative of yours said, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But that's all I want to say is is I yeah, what I'm trying to say is I really appreciate what you guys do and have been doing. And I even appreciate your deviation into strange occult stuff recently and how that connects to history and these secret societies might be behind stuff because I was thinking accidentally and maybe because of my respect for the Freemason deists that snuck out and found a place that they could hold on to and were independent enough to actually start America in um, and their principles and their secrecy uh, thinking of there being wisdom in that and people I don't know and I'm not going to direct Mm-hmm. Not like any kind of cult, not based around me at all, and I don't even want to know what they're called, starting their own societies for their own reasons in this age of totalitarian oppression, because we're living under a subtle and extremely sophisticated assault on Western democracies. Mm-hmm. And if you if you don't see that yet, you will soon. So I'll just sound crazy for now, as I often do until... Six the, months from now. Right, six months from now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man well on that note is there anything let's let's leave the listeners with a, with a little bit of positivity eh? like we've covered some tough tough stuff today yeah okay why do you why do you hold on to hope in this in this shitty crazy age what, what keeps you going because you know, you've been through some shit this is hard man these people don't want to speak on the mic it ha- my anonymity with the whole thing that's my only chance of getting them yeah. Like, yeah, it really takes a lot of coaxing, so I have to be there. I have to be there in the present, and I'm broke. So, anyway, thank you for the futon as well. Of course, and, and, you know, just to just to mirror this back, I'm subscribed to Taraj's Substack, and you should too. Oh, and you man. can just find it under his name, Taraj Zaim, T-U-R-A-J-Z-A-I-M. Okay, they're not going to remember that. You can just look up the first name. Taraj. Taraj, T-U-R-A-J. A-J. You can find that on YouTube, Rumble. I love Rumble. Let's mm-hmm. all rumble. It's way funner there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> For and, sure. Uh, and Substack. Yeah, you look up Substack. I, I'm posting everything on Substack. That site is about to become more developed. Yeah. And most of it's for free. Um, but, you know, if you've got a few dollars a month, obviously that would help. If you want to support a guy who's going to have these difficult conversations with, or in-depth and interesting conversations with people who are not easily interviewed, um then you need to support Taraj because there's just, I don't see that many people out there doing what he's done. Even one episode and even in the, the one video. No one's doing it. No one's I'm doing it. No right. one can. No one. <laughs> I think he's probably right about that, ladies and gentlemen. So, yes, anyway, back to the, the closing question. 
what the hell keeps you going with all this with all this nonsense facing us? Like, what is what's, what the hell is in your heart? Is it pure fire? No, I am a very fiery person. I know that's what people see. Um, fear, I'll never have a home. Hmm. That wasn't very inspiring. I need a home. Mm -hmm. These spoiled, brainwashed ignoramuses are ruining my only home. Hmm. I don't think there's anywhere else I can go. Hmm. So I'm fighting for home. Hmm. Yeah, I have hope because so many of my kind, but people in my culture, my tribe, my nation are deeply, without even knowing it, have hardcore warrior attitudes. We don't realize it, man. I will not be manipulated. I don't care how tough you make yourself seem to be and how much you can crush me. I've been crushed before. I don't care how pathetic you make yourself seem. Mm -hmm. And how much of a wounded victim who needs to be protected by some overarching daddy authority figure coming to crush and cancel me and remove me from my job. Hmm. I don't even care how many of you there are, this giant mob. I will not be manipulated. Please waste your time trying. <laughs> yeah, I like the sound of that. And that's why I invited you on. Because a lot of people would say, well, I see that perhaps there's a great confluence of, of minds who are waking up. You're just like, I'm not going to be stopped, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm all for that, what you just said. Yeah, That's the whole thing, the imagination thing yeah. with the play on the word imagination. Yes, I agree with you, by the way, where you said there's a lack of imagination mm -hmm. regarding looking at America. It's profound. It's like a dead third eye lack. You know, mm -hmm. It's completely, it's like your robot that most people... Um, but also, I think that there is a confluence. There's a grand confluence. People are coming together from all sides of the political aisle, even leftists. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm watching Gabby Gabs and Jimmy Dore and people who are too far left for me. And I, I'm, I'm a, I was a Democrat and green voting liberal most of my life, you know. I'm still a liberal. I'll die a liberal, dude. Mm -hmm. And, and pro-choice and... First Amendment, right, because we used to be press Anyway, um, the, the hope I have is also in that confluence because they're trying to keep us apart and divide us with all these narratives. That's quite obvious. I think most people can agree on that. Yes. And divide even child from parent at this point. It's really creepy. Mm -hmm. So if people connect... Americans, oh my God, we have such tremendous power, not to reiterate, but we are, we are powerful because people are scared of us. Be scary again, America. Remember your power and remember your sense of humor while you're at it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always, I, you know, when I had my, my moment and we talked about these moments of awakening, we realized something's wrong. Mm -hmm. One of the phrases that went through my head all the time for a while was from the Lion King. <laughs> you remember when it's a great movie. Remember when Fossa comes out of the out of heaven and he says, "Remember who you are." Yeah, they put and they put that in when the mother says to the with the the actor who died who played Black Panther, 
Tell him who you are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. T'Challa or whatever his name was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah that was that. That's from. That's because people love that. It's yeah. A callback. Remember yeah. who you are. Remember yeah. who you are. Yeah. So Americans like part of learning your history is remembering who you are. You're very special. If you look at the history of the entire world, there's not a single point in history that looks quite like this. There's not a, and I don't mean to sound like signing off like, you know, freaking Rush Limbaugh or a Patriot or something like that. I'm talking to you as culturally. If you've been deceived and you're starting to wake up, don't listen to people with bad ideas. Don't join something you don't understand. Don't, don't get, just remember who you are. Yeah. And allow it to fill you up. And, yeah. you know. You are from the blood of rebels and runaway slaves and pirates and criminals and religious deviants, America. Except those of you that just got here like me, you're even crazier. <laughs> yeah. And there's 300 some million of us. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't bet. I wouldn't bet against us. I wouldn't bet against America. And you know what? I wouldn't have said that two years ago. But yeah, part of part of our relationship, you know, your enthusiasm about American values, understanding what I understand about Benjamin Franklin, and having that support and being like, he sees what I see. It was like, ah, yes, somebody else said it. You know, and for the, you know, right. one of my things like on the show is that like, I'm a huge fan of Andrew Jackson. And everyone's like, oh, well, you can't be a fan of Andrew Jackson. I'm like, God damn it, I can. Because I, you convinced me. I still don't like the guy. I, I, look, I get I, it. I get it. I don't like the guy. I, I listen to those. But there's something about that, that, yeah. that story that's like, okay, there was more going on here. He definitely was a man of principle and mm -hmm. was brave to the end. Old Hickory. Yeah. You can disagree with him, but the quality of being like an old Hickory. Right. You might as well learn that. Yeah, man. Might be useful. Or or live on your knees as a slave. Or that. Pleasure choices these days. Pretty much. Well, I've already picked the song that's going to play us out, unless you've got a better idea. Rage Against the Machine, fuck you, I won't do what you're telling me that. It's something like that. It's, okay. a, it's a Mongolian war song. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> How's that sound? All right. Yeah. All right, well... Thank you to Taraj Zaim for blessing us with his presence. Go listen to his stuff. Definitely don't miss Anonymous Conversation number one. We'll be back at you with some more content and we talk about dead people soon. And I hope this tides you over until then. Bye-bye. <laughs>